You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans. We are back with a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars, uh, I was about to say Episode 7, but we're past that now. Um, But Episode 8, Rogue One, all the the new and exciting uh, Star Wars projects coming up here in the future. Uh, This is our 74th episode, um, and it's been a while since our last one. There hasn't been, you know, quite as much big news lately, but we got some more exciting stuff to talk about. Um, As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host Tim with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. And yeah, like you said, it hasn't been really a lot of big official news to come out, but we're in June now, we're in the summertime, and Celebration Europe just a month away, so that's going to change very, very soon, and bring it on, because I can't wait to get that Star Wars excitement like really going again in the next few months leading up to Rogue One, so yeah. We just got a little bit longer to go in the month of June, and it's going to kick in high gear, I think, again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we got some some big stuff coming up here in the next couple months. Uh, like you said, next week, or next month in uh, July, we've got Celebration Europe. Also, next week, we've got uh, E3, the big video video game convention going on. Um, so, hoping to hear some more Star Wars video game news uh, from both of those conventions. Um, plus, San Diego Comic-Con coming up in July as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll have a little more to talk about coming up here. Um, and then of course, uh, yeah, as we get closer and closer to Rogue One, you know, we'll be getting plenty there as well. Um, but let's jump right into the news here. Um, yeah, like we said, no, no, not a whole lot of big official stuff, but one big thing that we did get, uh, was the announcement of Celebration Orlando 2017. Um, and that's going to be April 13th through 16th, uh, next year at the Orange County Convention Center. Um, maybe a little disappointing for us West Coast folks, but <laughs> yeah. at, the, at the same time I realized, oh, this makes sense that, you know, maybe every other, well, not every other year, but, you know, every other, uh, celebration here in the U.S. they'll alternate between, um, Orlando and Anaheim. I think that would make sense, um, cause then, you know, you make it easier for, the East Coast people to go to one and the West Coast uh, people to go to the other one. So um, I'm still trying to figure out if it's going to work for me to be able to go to this one. Obviously, I'd love to be able to go because the last one was just such an awesome time. Um, 
And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, just like at the last celebration, there'll probably be the world premiere of a, a new trailer for episode eight. Um, and, you know, probably either a, a, another season premiere of Rebels or, you know, maybe some news about some new animated show that might be coming out by that point or, uh, you know, a new Battlefront trailer or whatever. Just, you know, so much awesome stuff that's going to be there and to, to get to experience that with, you know, all our friends and all these other awesome Star Wars fans. I'm like, I really want to be able to go. Um, not sure if that's going to happen yet, but we'll see. Um, but definitely, you know, for, for people who are looking forward to that, mark that on your calendars. Um, it's good to uh, have that information out there. Yeah, to say I was spoiled with Celebration Anaheim <laughs> is an understatement because it was literally like 25 minutes to a half hour away from me <laughs> from yeah. where I live. So this is a big difference now being several hours away by a, a plane ride. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of hoping uh, or probably wishful thinking that every time there would be a celebration here in the States, it would like now that it was the first celebration under Disney and that they'd make the Anaheim the destination for it. But what you said too makes perfect sense for if they do going to, you know, alternate when they do have one over here in the States, one on the East coast, one on the West, so West coast, that'd be cool too. But I'm still wondering if they're still going to switch it around different places over the country, but I'm kind of hoping they do what you said. had one uh, in Florida and then one here over here in Anaheim. Cause it seems to Florida is definitely a mainstay cause they've had it there for several years, but if Anaheim can kind of, get on that same level where they alternate, that'd be cool too. But um, regardless of where it's at, I mean, just got to get excited for it, even if you're able to go or not, because, you know, more great Star Wars news and information is going to be coming there. And this is probably what's going to kick off Episode 8. And one thing I was wondering too, because, no, we speculated on this before, as far as when are we going to see the first teaser trailer for Episode 8? Is it going to be for Rogue One? Are we going to get a short teaser like we got for The Force Awakens? Or, you know is Celebration Orlando going to be where we're going to get our very, very first look at Episode 8? Or is it going to be like uh, The Force Awakens and Celebration Anaheim where it'll be our second look and our second teaser for it? So, I don't know, for some reason, I think Episode 8, we're going to get our first look at that at Celebration Orlando because with The Force Awakens, it was one of those things where everyone was just so excited for it they couldn't wait to see the very first images and footage from that movie. And that's why they put that teaser out over a year before the movie actually released. And since we're going to have two Star Wars movies before Celebration Orlando, I think they might, you know, take it a little easy and not put it out so far in advance. So I'm kind of thinking that's where we're going to get our very first teaser for Episode 8. You know, they're probably going to have a big panel like they did to kick off Celebration Anaheim with Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson, the cast members. So all that good stuff is going to be great to see again. And then just to top it off with our very first look at Episode 8, I mean, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> if you're there, it's going to be special. But if not, and you're gonna just hopefully they'll stream it again like they did Celebration Anaheim. It's just going to be cool to see it that way, too. So, yeah, regardless if you're going or not, just mark those dates down on your calendar. Because when you think about it, it's not too far away. I mean, like I said, we got Celebration Europe next month and leading up to the release of Rogue One. And it's going to be here before you know it. And the Episode 8 hype train is officially <laughs> going to be kicking into gear. So. Mm-hmm. Lots to look forward to next year, right at the beginning, too. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be, like you said, it's less than a year away. Um, and I think you're right about the trailer. I think that probably will be our, our first look um, because there's not going to be, I mean, our, you know, there'll be a ton of excitement and hype for the movie, but it's not going to be quite at the level that The Force Awakens was just because, like, by now we've seen the movie, you know, it, it's not a question of, like, 
man, what is this new generation of Star Wars going to look like? Um, you know, e even without seeing a trailer, we know that Rey and Finn and Poe and Kylo Ren and Luke and Leia are going to be in it. Um, with The Force Awakens, like, we didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, aside from, you know, rumors and things that we'd heard. But, um, you know, I think part of that uh, that ravenous hunger that we had for, you know, any little bit of information for The Force Awakens, um, you know, for, for Episode 8, you can satisfy a little bit of that same hunger by just watching The Force Awakens again, and that'll tell you a little bit about what might happen in Episode 8, so... Um, and I was thinking, too, as you were say, saying how we suspected about that stuff on the trailer and the footage we would see for Episode 7, and we kept thinking, oh, we're going to see Luke. How awesome would it be where the trailer ends? We see Luke ignite his lightsaber. Like, I think that's going to start all over again for Episode 8 because we know Luke's going to have a bigger role in Episode 8, and he'll be hopefully featured in the trailer. So I'm already saying that now. That's my on my wish list for things to see in the first trailer of Episode 8, Luke igniting that green lightsaber. Ooh, man. Yeah, that that would be on my wish list, too. Um, I mean, I'm kind of hesitant to get my hopes up just based on how much Luke was in The Force Awakens, obviously, but at the same time, yeah, we know he's going to have a much bigger role in Episode 8. Um, even if we don't see him ignite his lightsaber in the trailer, I'm sure we will definitely see him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Heck, we already saw him in that announcement that Episode 8 started principal photography, so well, we yeah, should exactly. back now. Well, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we really just saw him at the end of episode seven and <laughs> um but still yeah um and i i do think you know if if what we see it at celebration uh orlando is the first trailer for episode eight it's still gonna be it'll be in terms of length and amount of footage and stuff i think it'll be closer to what we got from the second trailer for episode seven and not yeah. that very first little teaser yeah, I um agree. Because by that point, it'll be, you know, six months or so before the movie comes out and they'll have some more substantial stuff to show us. So um, regardless of, you know, whether I can make it or not, you know, obviously, like I said, I hope to be there screaming my head off with, you know, a, a packed room full of thousands of other fans watching this trailer for the first time. But even if not, I'm going to be following along uh you know, with rapt attention at home, you know, watching the, the live feed of that panel that's going to end with the trailer and I'll be hopefully watching it at the same time as everybody there. So, um, yeah, either way, you know, can't wait to get our first glimpse of Luke and all the rest of the gang. So that's going to be awesome. Yep. The excitement will be felt through the force by everyone, even if you're there or not, <laughs> no yeah. matter where you're. Yeah. And especially since, you know, if I were to go, that year I could wear uh, my, my Kylo Ren costume that I just wore for Phoenix Comic-Con this past weekend. So um, that was Which a lot of fun as well. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I can props to you, Kyle. That was an awesome-looking Kylo Ren suit. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you think so because I put a lot of long hours into that like the week before the con and didn't get much sleep. But <laughs> I was very happy with the end result, um, and the con was a lot of fun. You know, I had a lot of people taking pictures with me and all that kind of stuff and uh, dueled quite a few rays and fins and then went as Finn one of the days and dueled some Kylo Ren's and so it was uh man it was a blast <laughs> um and actually um I'll, I'll mention this here I did a uh, a panel actually a couple of panels uh with my friends Joey and Jason um who have done Star Wars panels with at conventions in the past um we did a, a Star Wars trivia contest on the Saturday and then um Friday we did a panel about you know basically talking about a lot of the stuff that we talk about on here um, kind of speculating about um, some, I think the, the title of the panel was called, you know, the, 
the secrets of Star Wars, the force awakens and the future of the saga or something like that. Um, and we started out talking about sort of unresolved mysteries from the force awakens. And we, you know, spent time just speculating about who Ray's parents are and who Snoke is and who the Knights of Ren are and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we kind of, for the second half of the panel, we talked about, um, you know, what we know so far about Rogue One and Episode 8 and the young Han Solo movie and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Jason recorded the uh, the audio from that panel and he sent it over to me. So actually on our next episode, I'm going to uh, include the audio of that panel at the end. Um, so yeah, I think because our, our plan as of right now, I know it's been, you know, over a month since we've gotten a new episode out for you guys, but uh we're we're mostly going to try to focus on just talking about movies and stuff um and you know just catching up on on the updates and stuff uh for movies and celebration and whatnot uh for this episode and then we're planning to record another episode in about a week or so uh because as i said e3 is coming up next week um so we'll do because we we've also got some a few pieces of video game news and stuff um that we had, you know, for, for this episode that we decided to just hold off till next week. We'll talk about that with all the E3 stuff and we'll kind of do a video game episode, but then I can also talk some more about Comic-Con and how that was. And then, uh, just put the audio from the Comic-Con panel at the end of that episode, since it probably won't be too long of an episode, um, since we'll only have, you know, a week between now and then, and there probably won't be a new Rogue One trailer dropping or anything like that. <laughs> but it would be awesome if um, it was. Yeah, I would not complain. <laughs> and then we can still stick the panel audio at the end and it would just be like a five-hour episode. But I kind of hope that doesn't happen, just so we don't have to make people download five-hour episodes, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I highly doubt they'll put a new trailer out when Celebration New York just a few weeks away. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I guess I hadn't even really thought about that, the, the possibility of getting a new Rogue One trailer there, but yeah, that could I happen. Um, well, speaking of Celebration Europe... Um, we do have some some official announcements about stuff that'll be happening there. Uh, for one thing, uh, Dave Filoni will be at Celebration Europe. Um, and again, this is all stuff that recently just got officially announced, but it's like to no one's great surprise. Dave Filoni's always yeah. at Celebration, and he's always got awesome stuff from his shows to, would, to show the fans there. It would be more of a surprise if Dave Filoni said he's not able to attend a Celebration. Yeah. That would be more of a <laughs> That would be news. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like Dave Filoni showing up at Celebration. And in other news, the title crawl of the next Star Wars movie will be yellow. Um, <laughs> Two uh, things you can guarantee. Yeah. But so, yes, he's going to be at Celebration Europe and is going to be screening the first two episodes from season three of Celebration or uh, uh, sorry, of Rebels season three. Um, he'll be showing the first two episodes there at Celebration. Um so, you know, obviously we won't get to see them till you know, probably later in the fall or whenever that's going to air, but uh, can't wait to maybe hear some reactions from that. Um, and I'm sure we'll get a season three trailer as well and some new clips and images and whatnot. Um, he also tweeted out an image on May the 4th of uh, Rex in his, um, you know, his, his clone helmet from the end of, uh, you know, the, the same helmet he was wearing like at the end of the Clone Wars. Um and he says Rex in season three looking like classic Clone Wars. So that's going to be awesome to see because we saw a lot of uh, Captain Rex in season two of Rebels, but not a whole lot of him wearing his clone trooper armor. So um, and when he was wearing clone armor, it was mostly like, you know, kind of just the chest plate and um, 
you know, he, he was looking like a, a grandpa who rolled out of bed and didn't feel like putting his full suit of armor on, but <laughs> he's bringing back the helmet and everything. So, uh, that should be really awesome. There've also been a, a lot of rumors and speculation. Um, and part of this was fueled by Dave Filoni himself because he sent out another tweet saying, uh, you know, kind of teasing season three of rebels and saying that, uh, you know, kind of quoting Ahsoka and saying there's always a little bit of truth in legends. Um, and so I think a lot of people at this point are speculating that uh, possibly either Mara Jade or more likely uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn might show up in uh, season three of Rebels. So that would be really cool to see. And, you know, it's interesting because it seems like Rebels has become sort of the, I don't want to say dumping ground because that sounds negative, but the um i don't know maybe like the foster home for all of the uh the legends story ideas <laughs> that you know have have you know become non-canon like rebels is the place where they're introducing a lot of that stuff back into the canon um you know in the the season two finale they went to malachor and we're talking about wars between the jedi and the sith in the old days of the republic and all that kind of stuff um and then you know we also had stuff dealing with the mandalorians and uh you know, and of course, also it's kind of been the the place to continue the storylines of Clone Wars characters as well. Now that we've got Rex and Ahsoka and Hondo, and uh, I'm sure I might be forgetting some. I don't know, but you know, we we could maybe see more Clone Wars characters introduced on there as well. And now the fact that you know we may be seeing uh, even you know Grand Admiral Thrawn himself show up in here. So um, I think it's kind of cool that. Um, you know, Rebels has has been a become a place where they can you know sort of cultivate all these different ideas of ways to sort of reintroduce um, some of those those fan favorite um, EU elements. Totally, yeah. I mean, it's first of all, it's awesome that Dave Filoni and the crew would want to do that because they can you know easily just you know do their own thing and disregard the EU as a whole now since it's like I said not part of the main canon. But it's just great that they're able to pick certain things that'll work in the story that they're telling and make it in canon now to kind of you know i'm sure there's going to be some fans out there mainly fans who are just love the eu who are probably not going to like any changes to part of the character he's bringing in into it and i strongly think it's going to be admiral Thrawn because we've heard rumors about that being the case of him showing up in season three a few months ago so i strongly think it's going to be him but i'm sure there's going to be some fans who rather just have him leave it alone and not change anything because there's only one version of Thrawn that's going to be in the EU books and all that. But I hope for the most part fans would, you know, take this as a good sign that they're trying to keep the elements that were popular. A lot of fans like of the EU alive in this new star Wars canon. And I think it's going to be cool to see that. I mean, Dave Filoni has teased even in the last rebels recon video that there's going to be a big character who's going to show up in season three. And, I immediately thought, or was hoping anyway, that it would be Obi-Wan again, because I still think he's going to pop up in this series somehow, some way, by the time it's all said and done. But looks like it is going to be Grand, Ad Grand Admiral Thrawn. I mean, that image that he tweeted and <laughs> that quote, I mean, doesn't get much more clear than that, that it's going to be someone from the old EU. And that the picture of the book he tweeted out, I mean, I didn't personally recognize it right away. I guess I'm not a true diehard Star Wars fan. I'm sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of people saying, oh, that's the Thrawn trilogy right there. So that's Heir to the Empire and all that stuff. So looks like that's going to be the case. And it's just going to be interesting to see how not only are he's going to be adapted to the show, but if they're going to keep the classic look that he had to. I have a feeling Dave would. He wouldn't change it that much and call him Thrawn. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm expecting it to look like 
we know him to be from the EU books, you know, just in a set in a different circumstance than what we were used to. So I'm excited for it. And we'll see if he shows up in those first two episodes that in the season premiere. I kind of think that he would because it kind of fits the pattern of what's uh, season two where, you know, Vader was the big draw. The first trailer focused on Vader a lot in his battles with Kanan and Ezra. And that was the focus of the season two premiere in the Siege of Lothal. So I kind of have a feeling it would be the same thing. He'll be introduced in the premiere. And I'm sure it'll get everyone who sees it buzzing and talking about it and making the wait for us over here <laughs> who are not able to go to Celebration Europe that much longer for the season three premiere. But like you said, Kyle, it's going to be great because you know they're going to show a new trailer and that's going to get us plenty excited too. So mm-hmm. I'm already looking forward to, you know, like it was in 2013, staying up real late and hopefully they're going to stream all these panels so I'll be able to watch it this time instead of just following tweets from everybody. So even though I'm not going, I'm looking forward to Celebration Europe just to, you know, hope, follow along and just kind of be there even though I'm not and just getting part of the hype uh, when they announce all this cool stuff yeah definitely and i mean this is why i love dave filoni like i think of all the people at lucasfilm like in charge of different things i think he's probably the one who's like most i don't want to say most connected with the fans necessarily just because you know he, he doesn't interact a whole lot on social media and whatnot but most sort of in touch with yeah sort of that fan perspective and you know i know he likes to interact with fans at conventions and things and he's you know he's very aware of the fans' opinions on things, what they like, what they don't like. And, I mean, it's not just in Rebels where he's introduced this kind of stuff. Like, in Clone Wars, you know, he was the one that brought in, uh, you know, Korriban, even though George Lucas went and changed the name of it, and, you know, Darth Bane and the Delta Squad with the Republic Commandos and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I, I think he's you know, very conscious of like still wanting to tell his own stories and not just have the show be completely fan service. But at the same time, you know, he knows those little, uh, you know, the nods and the references and things that the fans like to see and tries to work those in when he can. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if anyone can bring in Thrawn and make it work, he can. But then at the same time, like I was saying, I I just, I don't think he's even going to probably change it all that much. Um, you know, he, obviously it won't be exactly along the lines of like heir to the empire or whatever, cause this is a different time period and whatnot. But, um, I, I think it's going to be a, a version of Thrawn that fans will recognize and be like, Oh man, that's really cool. Like that's kind of how I always thought this guy would be granted, you know, he's going to be a little bit younger, but still. Um, yeah, totally agree. And it's even great too, where you were mentioning how we did that with Clone Wars and how he was in touch with the fans and, stuff that you know that might you know make him you know nervous or whatnot that they're training certain things but he was aware of that even especially with the mandalore arc where george lucas was you know said he wanted to make mandalore pacifist planet and he was like well let me tell you what's going on currently like with mandalorians and all that stuff mm-hmm. just, just even though lucas might not go with it or you know say you know well that's good but i'm gonna do things my way at least dave was there you know to kind of put the counterpoint to that and, so, and at least if let George Lucas know about it. And if there's anything, you know, that George Lucas might even think that's cool from the EU, he could put in there. But just the fact that Dave was there to bring that aspect to it was great. And again, nice to continue it with rebels is awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, obviously on, on clone wars, Dave could bring up certain ideas or, you know, suggest things, but it was ultimately George Lucas who had the final say because he was George freaking Lucas. Um, and you know, obviously some people, you know, depending on who you ask, some people are glad he's gone, some people miss him, but, you know, obviously, um, I mean, I don't think you can 
well, this is a whole different tangent that <laughs> we could go on, but I, I don't think you can call yourself a Star Wars fan if you don't at least appreciate, you know, what George has done just by setting all this into motion in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not going to argue with the man's right to, you know, change things in his own universe. Um, but now on Rebels, like Dave Filoni is, he's the head honcho. So as long as there's nothing that, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy or the story group or whatever, uh, you know, try to, you know, nix or, you know, say they can't use or whatever, like as far as just within that show goes, like, you know, if he wants to introduce something, George isn't going to take it and change it around or whatever. So, um, yeah, can't wait to see what they do with that going forward. Um, I was thinking, Kyle, it's not going to be thrown. How can we miss it? It's Jason and Jaina Solo. That's who they're bringing in into the EU, into Star Wars Rebels from the story. So it's, it's going to work perfectly with the new canon now. They're going to be introduced before A New Hope and all that. Done yeah. Confirm. <laughs> Along with time travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I know my we were gosh. joking then, about it a while ago with Haley. How much would it be like a knife to the wound for EU fans if they named these like brand new characters Jason and Jaina, but they weren't Skywalkers or Solo? <laughs> yeah. Like... Well, see, this is getting me like all confused now because I mean I've been like this year I've been watching you know Arrow and the Flash and all these superhero shows and stuff, but um, especially I'm I'm thinking like wait how could that work if like Jason and Jaina Solo were in Rebels in between episodes three and four and I'm like oh they could show up and be like hi I'm Kylo Ren from Earth Two and my name <laughs> and my name is Jason instead of Ben. Oh man, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I would buy it as a comic book fan, but. Still, yeah, I don't want to see that aspect brought into the Star Wars universe just yet. No, <laughs> I no, ever, I mean, but. obviously not alternate universes, but even time travel is like one element of sci-fi that I'm just like, no, keep that out of Star Wars forever, please. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> see, that's what the Star Wars spinoff show or a TV series could be, Earth 2 Star Wars or oh, Star gosh. Wars Universe 2. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, anyway, so that's Dave Filoni and Rebels at Celebration Europe. Um, we also now know that Kathleen Kennedy and Gareth Edwards will be there to talk about Rogue One. Um, again, not all that surprising. Um, and it also says here uh, in the press release, the president of Lucasfilm will be joined by the director of Rogue One and special guests for an opening day event at the massive fan gathering this July. That sounds an awful lot like the description for the first panel that they had with J.J. Uh, Abrams and special guests at uh, Celebration Anaheim last year, um, where they ended up having, you know, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, all those guys, um, and showed the first trailer, or, you know, that, that new trailer for The Force Awakens. So like we were saying, um, most likely going to get to see something new from Rogue One here. Um, and... Uh, you know, again, Kathleen and uh, Gareth, and I'm sure several members of the cast will be there as well. I'm kind of thinking, too, when you mentioned about the special guests, what if, you know, it's mainly going to be a Rogue One panel, but what if it's, you know, a Star Wars story panel where it's mainly going to focus on Rogue One, but maybe at the end they'll talk about the Han Solo uh, standalone film and bring out, you know, uh, the person who looks like is going to be cast as on Solo, which we'll talk about later, and like the directors for it, or maybe Lawrence Kasdan. So I don't know, just kind of give you a little tease about what's to come next after Rogue One. So I could see that mm. happening, even though the majority will be, of course, focused on Rogue One. Well, and I'm wondering if that might even be its own separate panel later in the convention, because they did that same thing for uh, 
celebration last year yeah. where you know the big main kickoff panel was for uh the force awakens and for this celebration i mean it's not gonna be there's no big episode movie coming out this year but it still makes sense that um even though rogue one is one of the standalone films um that the fact that it's the big movie coming out this year, like that, that would be sort of the the big kickoff thing that would focus just on Rogue One. Um, and then also last year, you know, they had a panel towards the end of the convention where it was supposed to be a conversation with Gareth Edwards and Josh Trank about uh, the standalone films that both of them were directing at that point. Um, and then, you know, Josh Trank mysteriously like got sick or something at the last <laughs> minute and didn't show up for the panel. And then next thing you know, he's not directing a Star Wars movie and Fantastic Four sucks and, you know, whatever else. Um, but um, this time, yeah, I mean, I could see them maybe having a panel with Phil Lord and Chris Miller about uh, the young Han Solo movie. And I don't know, maybe they'll announce another future standalone film that's coming out in, you know, I guess it would be 2020 at this point. Yeah, because um, we still got to get that third one revealed somewhat <laughs> as far as, you know, what's it going to be about. And, of course, all the rumors and stuff we thought the second one was going to be about Boba Fett. So I wonder if they're finally, you know, going to confirm that officially. That would be nice. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I, I, as cool as a Boba Fett movie would be, I would also just be happy if Boba Fett was a main, you know, a major player in the young Han Solo movie because I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I think we'll definitely get... Uh, hopefully some new information in that department um, at, you know, at Celebration Europe, um, at least as far as the young Han Solo movie goes. I don't know that we'll get official confirmation yet about what the next standalone film after that will be, just because at this point that's going to be like four years away. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But if, I mean, obviously if they want to talk about that and reveal new info, like that's fine by me. Um, but yeah, it sounds like this, uh, row one panel is going to be the big kickoff thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it, I mean, just kind of based on what we saw at the last celebration, I would think they'll probably have a new trailer. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would be surprised if they don't have a new trailer after this panel. Especially cause when, when is celebration Europe? It is. It's like... July, hold on. See, I thought I had it right here, but I don't. <laughs> it was like kind of like towards the middle of July, I believe. I'm trying to bring it up right here. Well, I'm on the official website, and it's just got a countdown. It says 35 days, 5 hours, etc., etc. Oh, here we go, July 15th through 17th. There you go, yeah. So, yeah, because I, I I was thinking, well, I don't know, it hasn't been that long since the first Rogue One trailer, but you know, a month from now, I could see them putting out another one. Um, I yeah, mean, I heck, look it. at the look at the rate they're putting out trailers for Suicide Squad. Like, you know, <laughs> some of these movies, they're just like, here, have another trailer. But Star Wars, it's always, you know, they make a big deal out of it, and you know, only give us like small tidbits of stuff. And I think three is a number we can expect for. Star Wars trailers moving forward. We got that with The Force Awakens. It worked well for that. And I think especially for Rogue One being the first 
uh, anthology movie uh, or Star Wars story movie uh, where, you know, they really got to try to tell people this isn't episode eight. This is a movie set before A New Hope. And I can't imagine that having less trailers than The Force Awakens where you kind of knew that was after Return of the Jedi and everyone was just excited for it anyway. So this is somewhere I think they have to do more of a sell job to make sure people know what it's about. So I think anything less than three would it would be surprising to me if they don't have that amount so mm-hmm. get one at celebration and then probably get another one in october like we got the final the force awakens trailer and i think it's a pretty good schedule as far as getting new trailers for the movie and as far as marketing it and getting people excited for it during these times i think it'll work well so yeah i'd be surprised if we don't get one and Hopefully we'll, <laughs> as we talk about some more Rogue One stuff a little bit, but hopefully we'll get an appearance from someone who's been rumored to be in this movie for a long time now. Mm. If you were to close that trailer, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll I don't it. know. I still am not sure if I want to see him in the trailer, though. Like, even though we pretty much know he's going to be in the movie, I kind of want to just see that in the movie. Because that's something I think he's going to show up in one of these trailers. I just, I know he is. Because, like I said, that's a big thing to tell you that this isn't episode eight. If you fully see Darth Vader in there, yeah. you know. That's true. So, yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be this one because it seems like more and more people are starting, or at least the fans anyway, are starting to realize he's going to be in this movie. It's almost becoming like one of those worst-kept secret type things So where eventually mm-hmm. it's to just show him. So I think it would be <laughs> Of course, it's probably just me being greedy as a Star Wars fan wanting to see Darth Vader in a new Star Wars movie. But to get him at the Celebration Europe trailer, yeah, I will be blown away and so excited. <laughs> yeah. And yet at the same time, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it does. It almost doesn't even qualify as a spoiler to, to say that Darth Vader's in this movie because, like, how could he not be? Um, like, on the one hand, I get that, you know, this isn't the Skywalker saga. You don't really want to focus on him too much. But on the other hand, you know, you bring him into Star Wars Rebels... Um, and, you know, he's, he's brought in to hunt down, you know, Kanan and Ezra and those guys. Now, granted, they are Jedi, um, or, you know, Jedi in training or whatever. And as far as we know, there won't be any Jedi in Rogue One. But at the same time, it's like if Vader is brought in to deal with those guys, like, I mean, just based on what we know of the story of Rogue One, you would think these rebels would pose a bigger threat because they're the ones who actually steal the plans to the Death Star, um, so you you would think this would go pretty high up the the imperial chain of command as far as who's going to be dealing with this, um, and, you know. Not to mention the fact that we're going to be seeing the Death Star being constructed and all that. And so it's like, how can you show all that going on in this time period and not at least have like a cameo by Darth yeah. Vader because he's such a huge presence in the galaxy? Like you know he's out there. So like, why not show him? Exactly, like you said, it's a big deal when. The plans from your ultimate space station and weapon is about to be in jeopardy. So, yeah, it's going to go pretty to the top up there. And like I said, even if it's just a hologram, but uh, I think it's going to be much more than that. I mean, if we just get a hologram or something of Vader in the trailer, that would any glimpse of him would just mm. going to give me goosebumps. And I'm sure a lot of other Star Wars fans. So, yeah, it's either it's this one or the last one. Somehow, some way, Vader is going to end one of these trailers. <laughs> Mark my words. Yeah, and. Oh, man, like now I'm getting goosebumps because you mentioned holograms and that's something I hadn't even thought of before is not a hologram of Vader, but someone that Vader usually talks to in the form of a hologram. (laughs) I didn't even consider the fact that we could possibly, you know, get get a glimpse of Palpatine in this movie. But see, here's the thing. If, If they included Palpatine, I think it would be similar to 
the Rebels premiere of season two, where we maybe don't even see him, but you just see Vader kneeling before a hologram and you hear his voice. Because um, Ian McDermott is still around. He could still, you know, he could definitely do that voice again, if not, you know, get under the robe and the makeup and everything. So, um, exactly. We know the his Royal Guards are going to be a part of it. So there's a link right there. Yeah. So, man, I don't know. Like, I, I definitely am not expecting like a whole lot of screen time from from Palpatine again like I don't I think we probably won't see him and if we do I think it'll be really brief um and probably a hologram talking to Vader but even if we get that much like that would be awesome yeah just hearing you know as great of a job as Sam Witwer does but just hearing Ian McDermott's voice again as Palpatine yeah <laughs> that'll yeah. send you shivers up your spine <laughs> I mean I'll take either of them honestly but just knowing I mean they brought back James Earl Jones to do the voice of Vader, like for Rebels, um, and I'm sure they'll probably have him do it for for Rogue One. Totally. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like, why not get Ian McDermott to do it for the movie if they were going to do that? Again, this is all just—I mean, it's something I only just thought of for the first time. I'm sure other people have maybe thought of it or speculated about it before, but um, you know, I, I'm not getting my hopes up for it. But I, I'm just saying that would be really cool if that were to happen. Yeah, either way, we're going to be blown away, I think, when we get to see these new trailers for Rogue One, more so than the first one. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, one cool thing that we also got, um, it's just this new poster revealed for uh, Celebration, it's, you know, like the, the key art or whatever they call it for Celebration Europe, um, and it's kind of this mashup poster that's got um, characters and vehicles from The Force Awakens and Rogue One um, so you've got, uh, like Ray and Finn and, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's Poe down there. And then Kylo yeah. Ren and Luke, uh, with the Falcon up at the top and then, um, down, you know, sort of the bottom half of the image, you've got, uh, Jin and, uh, all the other unnamed Rogue One characters that we don't know the names of yet officially, but we'll get to that <laughs> in a second. Um, but uh, and then, you know, we got some uh, resistance X-Wings flying off to the side. Um, but we also see some new troopers and vehicles and stuff in here from Rogue One. Um, and then on this, uh, I think it was on this Star Wars show that they've started doing on YouTube now, which is like a weekly, you know, eight minute video that they put out talking about Star Wars related stuff with Star Wars related people, I guess. Um They gave some more details about this and uh, confirmed that this is not exactly the uh, the same AT-AT we're used to seeing but that these uh you know imperial walkers that we saw in the trailer and that you see on this poster here um are called AT-ACTs which are all-terrain armored cargo transports um so i guess you know probably basically the same concept as an AT-AT except it uh you know probably is maybe a little heavier and bulkier and used for you know carrying cargo as well as uh blasting rebels um and then we've also got, you know, we, we knew about the, the death troopers, these stormtroopers in the black armor. And then they've also got uh, what they're called shore troopers. Um, and I think those are the guys that have kind of like the, the rectangular like armor plate on their foreheads kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe they've got specialized troopers for like storming beachfronts or, you know, maybe they're specifically equipped to, you know, deal with, I don't know, sandstorms or whatever. Um but uh, really cool looking artwork here, um, you know, just seeing all these 
these different characters together, you know, from different time periods, obviously, but all kind of the the uh, the big and exciting new stuff in Star Wars right now all kind of combined into one thing. So, yeah, I love this poster, man. I wish this was an actual movie poster, even though, you know, <laughs> they're two separate movies at different eras of Star Wars. But it just looks so cool. I love how everyone's positioned in there. You got Ray front and center with an awesome lightsaber pose reminiscent of Anakin and some of the promotional uh, promo shots of him from episode three. She's holding it exactly like he does, which is awesome. And yeah, just getting uh, more look at those troopers, which I'll never complain about. And I just love how, even though we don't know too much about these new characters from Rogue One yet, it's, it just feels like Star Wars when you see them with characters we're already familiar with from The Force Awakens. And of course, the only classic character in there is Luke, which is, you know, great to finally have him in promotional stuff now. <laughs> he doesn't have to be kept secret. So, yeah, just a really well designed, put together poster, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's bringing both movies together, this new time period of Star Wars. These are the first two movies that are kicking off, you know, a new set of movies with Rogue One in the sequel. I mean, The Force Awakens in the sequel trilogy and Rogue One with the Star Wars stories set of movies. So it's cool that they're putting them together like that. And it just makes for a really cool image. I want to get a print of it and hang it up on my wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be way cool. Um, So they said you can definitely buy prints of it at Celebration Europe. So, Oh, yeah. And that doesn't surprise me at all. But hopefully they make them available online as well. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to get one. Um, but okay, so speaking of Rogue One and images and character reveals and whatnot, um, we did have a bit of a leak a uh, couple weeks back. And um, I think these are all, you know, it's not like a bunch of concept art images like we got for The Force Awakens. Um, it looks like these are all pages from, you know, some sort of visual dictionary or guidebook or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not even complete. Like this isn't what's going to be printed because a lot of this text is placeholder. Um, you can tell like it's got pictures of all the, the rebel heroes. Um, but then for the description, it's pretty like the description for each character is pretty much exactly the same, only like with the names changed. Um, but we do get, uh, it, it does include some character names here. So we've got uh, Jin, obviously. Um, but then for Diego Luna's, Luna's character, I'm trying to read this here because it's like small print. But I think it's uh, his name is Cassian Andor. Um, let's see, the droid that uh, I'm pretty sure is going to be played by Alan Tudyk because we know he's going to be a motion capture character. Um, I think that's K250. Um, and then I can't even read some of these other names because this text is kind of small, but I know it was kind of hard to make out, especially the descriptions, but like you said, it was kind of the same, but, um, there were some, you know, sites out there that was able just to write down the names that they were able to make out. So, um, we also got giant, giant Wen's character's name Baze, And then we got Riz Ahmad's character is going to be Bodai. And then, uh, we got uh, Donnie Yen's character. Um, looks like it's going to be Chirrut. It's C-H-I-R-R-U-T. We'll see what the <laughs> Star Wars pronunciation of it's going to be. But then what I thought was interesting in these character images and the one that's focusing on the Rebels, we got two new alien characters. One is called Pow and the other is Bistin, um, which, you know, I guess I shouldn't say I was I shouldn't have expected not a Star Wars movie not to have any alien characters, but I wasn't sure if they were going to be part of, you know, this group of rebels who were going to be to steal the Death Star plans. And 
one of them looks like just a short Wookiee, <laughs> which I gotta say, <laughs> that I do is like true. his design. <laughs> we'll see if he is a Wookiee, but I kind of like the look of the character, I and mean, he looks mean and ready for battle, so <laughs> we'll see if he's going to be one of those type of aggressive characters. Yeah, for, for anyone out there who watches Doctor Who, if you haven't seen these images yet, try to picture this guy as like a Sontaran, but furry. It's it's interesting looking. Okay. Um, he's he's definitely like short and got a, a very round head. Um, like you said, does kind of look like a, a small Wookiee. Um, and then this other guy, I don't know. He looks like a very angry frog or something. Um, it almost looks like <laughs> I mean, sure, like the image is not the best quality that we're going to see. It's not high res or anything, but it's almost like what I see is mouth open like that. It's like a smaller version of the uh, the space worm. <laughs> I highly doubt it's from the same species, but no. it kind of just reminded me of that. Yeah. And so actually, I mean, I mentioned Alan Tudyk probably playing the droid, but he could be either of those two alien characters as well. Um, but we'll see. I think it's pretty sure he's going to be that droid. I don't, I don't that that would be my it, guess, but, but uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. And then on the Imperial side, um, we got uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character is going to be Director Krennic. Uh, so looks like that's what we're going to start referring him to. But that's kind of weird that's Director and not like Admiral. Because, you know, we're, we're talking about Thrawn and his unique look. And he has that white Admiral uh, Imperial uniform on with the cape. So, mm -hmm. Well, he could maybe be specifically like the director of the Death Star project or something. Yeah, that's true. I think even in the description it says it's like... He's director of the Imperial like military, like specialized in like defense and stuff like that. So maybe that's kind of more in regards to what his role is to that, you know, to defend those plans from getting stolen. But man, these images are so cool, especially when you see them. Because there's also an image that we where they're put together. We got the rebel side and the Imperial side. It just looks so cool. I, I'm so in love with those Death Trooper black armors. <laughs> they just look so <laughs> darn awesome. And then the big thing that I got a lot of people talking about was, you know, in these promotional images, you got. Darth Vader's uh, head just in the background on the Imperial side, which, you know, just again, <laughs> leading more evidence that he's going to be in this movie. Like I said, end up going to be the worst kept secret the longer <laughs> they decide to hold on announcing that Vader's going to be a part of this. But yeah, just some really cool looking images. And I just love it. You know, I know it's not Lucasfilm's plan probably to have this stuff come out <laughs> during this time, but. For us Star Wars fans who eat all this stuff up, it's just so cool when it happens, you know, like late at night, you're getting ready to go to bed, and then boom, big Star Wars stuff happens, new information or new looks, a <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, new Star Wars movie, and then it makes you uh, real hard to sleep for the rest of the night. But this is kind of what happened with this stuff, and I was eating it all up and just geeking out over these images. So it was pretty cool to see, and not only characters, but new ship designs too, which I'm not a big, you know, ship guy and get all into like the designs for that but i know which ones i like mainly x-wings and uh tie uh tie advanced fighters and star destroyers and those are like my favorite star wars ship designs but these ones did look pretty cool especially that new one for the tie fighter called the uh, tie striker mm -hmm. it reminded me of the not totally but like that uh tie fighter design in the rebel assault 2 game it was like those phantom tie fighters that had like three wings on it. This one only has two, but it kind of had that. Oh, shape. yeah. But it does look very cool just with the two. And yeah, it's kind of almost like in a tie advance, but not exactly, but still has a unique look to it that's going to make it stand out. And I, even just from this, you know, 
sketch of it really is almost like a plan layout of like the design for the ship seeing it mm-hmm. actually in the movie is going to be pretty darn cool i really like the design for that one yeah and i think i mean if you haven't seen these images before and you're trying to picture this this tie striker it looks like sort of a, a tie fighter done in the style of the episode three jedi starfighters um where there you've you go. got the the sort of you know the round cockpit in the center um, and it looks like, you know, your typical TIE fighter cockpit, but then you've got just, uh, you know, one flat wing sticking out on either side and the, the wings don't go perpendicular, uh, to the body like they do on a regular TIE fighter or a TIE interceptor or whatever, but it's just, you know, sort of a, a triangular fin sticking out from, from each side of the body and then extending forward. Um, but I really like that design. I think those look really cool. There's also a new rebel starfighter in here. Um, which I don't know. I mean, I, it doesn't necessarily stand out to me as being like, oh, that's really cool. But I mean, it, it looks all right. Um, I kind of have to see it in action, I guess. It looks like a Y wing cockpit with mm. X wing engines on, like with four X wing engines on the back, but without the wings. Um, and then instead it's just got like two very sort of thin, narrow wings that extend forward, um, yeah. from from the cockpit again kind of almost in it's actually almost kind of similar in style to that tie striker um i was gonna say too it reminded me of zam wessel's speeder in episode two it does yeah yeah, yeah. so if you picture like zam wessel's speeder from episode two with a y-wing cockpit and x-wing just the four circular engines on the back that's kind of what this one looks like um but also i mean for for me I mean, I like Starfighter designs, but I also tend to fall in love with them after seeing them in action. Um, You know, I mean, it's hard not to love the X-Wing, not just because its design looks cool, but just because, you know, of the the iconic, like, sound of the engines and sound of the laser blasters and seeing Luke Skywalker fly one down the Death Star trench and blow up the Death Star. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm slightly less enamored with A wings and Y wings and B wings just because you know, I mean, I think they look cool too, but they just, ha- you know, we haven't seen them do as much. Um, so, and, you know, of course there are, like I said, some visual designs that just stick out to me right away. And I think, oh, that looks really cool. But this Rebel Starfighter, I mean, they could have a really cool uh, space battle scene in the movie. And then I could decide this is like my favorite ship ever. But you know, <laughs> for now, it's not grabbing me too much. But at the same time, I wouldn't say I don't like it. Um I guess the one thing that maybe has me a little hesitant is just like, you know, when they introduce new ships in this original trilogy time period, but before episode four, then it's kind of like, well, why didn't we see these in the original trilogy then? Um, And, you know, maybe there'll be, you know, some kind of prototype fighter that never went into full production, or maybe we'll see them get shot down really easily in the rebel, you know, the rebellion be like, okay, let's never use those ships again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe it'll be like a, you know, specific kind of specialized ship where there's only a couple of them. And, you know, maybe it's like a stealth ship or something like that. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know why I'm, I'm not going to say I'm surprised that I'm seeing these new ships and stuff, but I was curious, I should say, like how much of space battles and ship battles we're going to get in Rogue One. Because um, judging from what we saw in the trailer and a little bit we knew beforehand of these characters trying to steal the Death Star plans, I was mainly just thinking, you know, it would be like a heist job type thing where they have someone who's like the getaway driver of the ship and to get them out, but not necessarily have 
too much like dog fights or space battles. But from these images, I mean, we're seeing X-Wings, we're seeing TIE Fighters, we're seeing that new Rebel Star Starfighter. And they're not necessarily showing them in battle against each other, but in that image that shows both sides of the Rebe Rebellion and the Imperials with the ships behind them, it does make you believe that we're going to see some type of battle between these ships in Rogue One. I mean, unless maybe they're just, you know, using them because they're familiar ships and they just scream Star Wars to people with like X-Wings and TIE Fighters. But when you design a new ship, it um, makes you think there's going to be some type of battle and you're not just going <laughs> to use a mm -hmm. new ship for, you know, just promotional reasons. But maybe that new Rebel Starfighter is just for this grand band of Rebels who are stealing the Death Star plans. And that is like the getaway ship or whatnot. And they'll have these X-Wings and Y-Wings as their escorts. So we'll see. But I was just kind of wondering, like, how much of a space battle we're going to get in Rogue One. Because, you know, we kept hearing it's going to be a war movie. And for me, and hearing Gareth Edwards talk about it, like I said, what we saw in the trailer already, I was mainly getting thinking in my head that's going to focus, you know, just on ground battles and that type of stuff. And I'm sure that's going to be the focus. But... Um, now it looks like there are going to be some, you know, aerial battles to go along with it. So mm -hmm. definitely to, good to know that <laughs> we're going to be seeing more classic uh, Star Wars space battles or aerial battles, too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I hope we see some of that in here because um, I think right off the bat, like when Rogue One was first announced and just kind of the premise of it, um, I thought that would be kind of more what it was leaning towards. Um, especially, you know, I, I guess as a kid, I always kind of just pictured like with the opening crawl of a new hope when it says the rebels have won their first decisive battle against the, the galactic empire. I always kind of pictured that being a space battle. Um, maybe because the movie starts off with, you know, a, a spaceship being chased and, you know, I thought maybe Vader chased Leia out of that space battle or something. Um, and just never, I, I guess for whatever reason, just never really pictured ground troops, um, getting into it all that much, maybe because we don't even really see a ground battle in Star Wars until the second movie and, you know, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, but then once they announced that it was going to be, you know, a gritty war movie, and then especially, you know, once we saw the first cast photos of all these, you know, sort of gritty looking characters and there weren't any in, you know, bright orange X-Wing flight suits, it was like, oh, this is going to be kind of different than I expected. Um, and, you know, still exciting, obviously, but, um, you know, sort of, like I said, they went a different direction with it than I thought they would. So it, I, I think it would be, you know, really nice to see still that aspect of it with, uh, you know, the space battles and whatever. And, I mean, granted, even though this is a, a standalone film and is probably going to feel a little bit different in tone than uh, the, the traditional Star Wars saga, like, it's still Star Wars and space battles are just one of those staples mm -hmm. of Star Wars movies where there's got to be some kind of space action scene. That's that's pretty much a guarantee for any Star Wars movie. Um, I mean, I think the only movies that don't have a full-on space battle are Attack of the Clones and Empire Strikes Back, and both of those movies have asteroid field chases that are pretty awesome as well. So, you know, there's always some kind of ship combat going on. Yeah, that's a good point too. You can't it can't be a Star Wars movie without some type of aerial battle with ships and stuff. Yeah. And the one thing I got last thing I gotta mention too. Unless that, it's a battlefront game. Oh, oh. too soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was a little too soon, Kyle. I haven't gotten the, the Death Star uh, DLC yet, so <laughs> hold off on that. I'm holding off. But uh, the last thing I gotta mention is that another awesome image of those stormtroopers 
walking down that street with that new tank and those new trooper armors. Uh, it just looks so cool. And unfortunately, I think I know the outcome of this. The stormtroopers are going to get defeated. That tank's probably going to get blown up somehow. But <laughs> at least in this one shot, they look pretty darn awesome. I love those new armored tank uh, stormtroopers and their helmets. It has a very clone vibe to me. So, yeah, I can't wait to see. I mean, we saw a little bit in the trailer, but just more awesome shots of the stormtroopers patrolling the street of this village and just looking awesome and intimidating. But... It looks like they're probably not going to win the day as we see explosions behind there. And knowing how at least regular stormtroopers and how they're let go, it's not going to end up being a good uh, outing for them. But this image looks really cool, though. Yeah. The one other thing that's interesting, too, there's a um, an image of some X-Wings in here. And it's the, the I mean, these X-Wings look more like the resistance ones where it's like the one big round engine on each side that splits when the wings mm -hmm. open. Um Except then the wings themselves still kind of look like the uh, like the original ones. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But I, I, I think these, you know, this could just be like prototype concept art or something. Um, because, you know, I would think that during this time period we would see the X-Wings that we're used to, like the ones that Luke flies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if this will be something that we'll actually see in Rogue One or if it's just sort of a, um, you know, like I said, a concept art kind of thing. There is a, a big red not final tag on all these images. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good bet that I could have been like a placeholder type thing where just to get some type of image in there. <laughs> some yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all those images for Rogue One. Um, and then it's funny because this is, well, actually, this isn't the first time this has happened with Rogue One where an actor has kind of spilled the beans a little bit. Um, cause first we had, I think, was it Donnie Yen who posted those images on, uh, yeah. like Instagram of the, the trooper, trooper helmets. helmets. Yep. <laughs> and now, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is, uh, has been talking in interviews and, you you might maybe we should give it a spoiler warning here because I don't yeah. know how big of a spoiler this will end up being in the movie. I mean, maybe it's not that big a deal since he's blabbing about it this far ahead of time, or maybe <laughs> he just doesn't realize that he's supposed to not spoil stuff. Um, but so first of all, there, there's a couple questions here, uh, or yeah, a couple quotes from him here, and this is uh, from an interview uh, with a, a UK magazine called Standard Online. Um, and uh, so they've got one quote where it says, when asked if Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, or members of the original trilogy had joined the cast on set, um, he told them some of them, but I would reveal too much. There are iconic characters in our film and also characters you've never heard of. It's a mix. Um, so he's probably referring to Darth Vader there. Yeah. <laughs> um, also possibly Boba Fett, maybe. Um, those are the two classic characters that I would most expect to see in this movie. Um and not really anyone else, because I doubt we're going to see Obi-Wan or like a teenage Luke or Leia or anything like that. So um, I, I think if there are going to be any classic characters, they'll probably be villains. Although we could also make, well, and you know, we, we talked about maybe a, a Palpatine cameo, also maybe Tarkin. Uh, yeah, the rumors of that. Yeah, who knows? Um, I've also heard stuff too. I mean, as we're going to talk about with the Rogue One shoots and reshoots in a little bit, that there's been some rumors that maybe, oh, they're going to try to squeeze in a small cameo by the new actor is going to be the young Han Solo in his movie. But. Yeah, and I have heard that as well. Um, 
Although, I mean, on the one hand, it doesn't seem to me like Han would really fit in this story. On the other hand, uh, we, don't, we don't know what the story is, and we've only seen one two-minute trailer so far. So, heck, what do I know? Yeah, I mean, um, I could see him, like, if they want to show him as being, like, a part of, like, the Empire, like, in his early days. But this is taking place, like, right before A New Hope, or at least very close to A New Hope. And <laughs> that doesn't leave him enough time to gain a reputation as a, smug a smuggler. So, I yeah. don't see that being the case. And not to mention, if... We were to see, you know, Han as a stormtrooper defecting from the Empire right after seeing Finn do the same thing in yeah. Episode Seven. Like, let's make him a Tie pilot then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's, what you mean. it's it's not implausible in the story. Um, like, if we find, especially once the young Han movie comes out, if we find out that, you know, if we see Han at the beginning as an Imperial cadet and see him, you know, desert the Empire and start becoming a smuggler. Um, yeah, see, that's a story that warrants its own movie. So I really hope yeah. that's what the Young Han Solo movie at least spends a decent amount of time on exploring that avenue of the character, if yeah. they're going to go that route. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I think, you know, once that movie comes out in 2018, I, I think that'll be the right time to tell the story. But I think if we were to see that in Rogue One right after, again, seeing Finn do the same thing in the last movie that came out a year before, like it you know, audiences might think it's kind of repetitive and be like, oh, every hero in Star Wars now suddenly used to be a stormtrooper. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then the other thing he says here, um, he said, I spend a lot of time with Felicity Jones and she's a wonderful actress. I play her dad at the time of Felicity. And, you know, I, I guess he's saying like basically in the he plays her dad in the present. And then also I play her dad when she's younger. So we jump back and forth in time. Um, so that is interesting. Like, is this going to be the first Star Wars movie to have flashbacks? I know. Um, obviously, I, I don't think he's going to be, like, jumping in the TARDIS and going back around the timeline. Um, or yeah. touching a lightsaber and getting Force visions. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I guess that would actually make more sense than, you know, straight up time travel or something. But, um, no, I mean, so maybe there'll be you know flashback scenes or something but then the other thing too i mean he and he might not know you know how the whole final movie is going to play out and how they're going to edit it and whatever but um i mean the fact that he says we jump back and forth it i'm like is there just going to be like one flashback sequence or is it going to be sort of constant throughout the movie or does he just not know what he's talking about or is he trying to you know feed people false information you know be like luke skywalker or <laughs> luke skywalker like mark hamill who likes to you know troll fans on twitter and you know give out <laughs> false teases of information and stuff it by the way if you if you guys have twitter and you're not following mark hamill like what are you doing with your life that's a priority um, yeah <laughs> go, go do that right now um i i love that guy like sometimes I can't tell if he loves his fans or just loves making fun of them, but I'm pretty sure you know he, he nah, really you know appreciates everybody and is just doing it all in good fun. Yeah, that's um, all it is. he loves all of the stuff and interacting with the fans. Yeah, but he obviously loves getting a reaction out of people too, and he'll be like, <laughs> "Hey, you know, if I get a million followers, I'll tweet out a, a teaser." shot you know a sneak peek of the episode eight trailer and then he posts a picture of his trailer from the episode eight set <laughs> and i'm just like oh mark <laughs> well played <laughs> 
So yeah, anyway, um, but as far as Mads Mikkelsen, um, I mean, he, he at least doesn't seem like he's having that much fun with it. He seems like he's kind of just given serious answers to these interview questions here. Um, so, you know, again, maybe because he's just casually throwing this out there in interviews, like maybe it won't be that big of a deal once we see the movie or maybe the trailers will give it away or something. But um and I, I'm surprised that Disney hasn't like thrown a, a muffler and a straitjacket on this guy yet. Well, he hasn't said anything since, though. Maybe they have. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. Um, but I don't think that was the first time that he said in an interview that he was playing her father. I thought I had heard that like a while back. Oh, no, yeah. There's actually um, a, a video of him like in one of uh, doing a TV talk show. I believe it's from uh, Sky News is where it was from, where he actually like, said the whole thing being uh, Jin's father. And at the end, he goes, oops, I think I said too much or something <laughs> to that effect. But then the quotes that you just mentioned about jumping board back and forth in time came afterwards. So, yeah, <laughs> during that week, I guess, uh, Disney got or Lucasfilm got word of that. Maybe they kind of told him to pipe down because <laughs> he hasn't said anything since. But I do find it interesting, like you were saying, the whole jump back and forth through time and you're talking about like is we're going to get flashbacks throughout the movie is it not going to be like a total linear story we're going to jump in, at different points in the movie we'll jump back and see more of his past and him with Jin. i'm kind of hoping we do get that because i do like that type of storytelling kind of you know how uh, batman begins did it i thought in a great way which i really liked and if we kind of get that in the star wars movie i think it'd be pretty cool and i mean as long as we get invested with both uh, his character and Jin. Um, I, which I think we will, and we'd want to know more of what happened because it sounds like to me it's going to be uh, a strained father-daughter relationship, you know, where he was. Because uh, we've heard this rumors before too, uh, early back, where it looks the it's going to be where he was kind of integral part of designing the Death Star, and but now his daughter is kind of trying to make up for his sins and steal those plans. So kind of have like that nice symmetry there in storytelling and their family dynamic. So. If we get that and then kind of see the seeds of that and their relationship from their early days when she was younger and he was younger, that would be cool to see. So I do kind of hope they go on that route where throughout the movie we'll jumping back and forth between some flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that could definitely be interesting to see. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that because on the one hand, like when you're focusing on a band of rebels trying to steal the Death Star plans, I don't want to take time for like emotional flashback scenes. I'm like, no, we'll get to the next like X-Wing versus TIE Fighter battle. But, um, well, let's put the main character, which I think it'll make it work. Like, yeah. It's just sitting there. Because we saw that shot of her on like that transport in the first trailer, just looking out the window. Like maybe it's like she's thinking about her past and we'll get into like a small flashback sequence there or something like that. Mm, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, and I mean, again, that's something that we haven't even seen in Star Wars movies before. So it'll be definitely interesting to see if and how that uh, transpires. Yeah, which makes me think, too, that's part of the point of these new standalone movies where you can do different things like that, where mm -hmm. if you wouldn't expect to see in the episode movies, but since there are, these are Star Wars stories, I still got to get used to calling them <laughs> They could take more liberties and do different things that you wouldn't normally expect. So I think that's a perfect thing where it's not too extreme, but yet something different that we haven't seen before in Star Wars. Yeah, I think, like you said, this is definitely the right place to, to try out new styles and elements and things like that. Um, now, lastly, um, as far as Rogue One is concerned, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of concern lately that the movie is going through uh, reshoots this summer. And the first reports were that 
um, that a first cut of the movie was done and had been screened for Disney executives and that they weren't happy with it and that there was this big panic and um, that they were reshooting like a, a whole bunch of the movie and that they were trying to make it feel more like The Force Awakens and all this kind of stuff. And everybody was getting their pants in a bunch. And uh, <laughs> now, you know, there, there might be some truth to this there might be some exaggeration or misunderstanding i mean we do know that the movie is going to be going through reshoots but that's normal for movies um but then entertainment weekly put out this article saying uh what's true and false about the reshoots for rogue one a star wars story um now tim you've read this whole article right mm, yeah so you want to go ahead and uh, give us the recap of uh you know kind of the rundown on what's true and what's false as far as these reshoots are concerned yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, going into it, when I first heard, started hearing these reports, it was like, I, I didn't get too concerned, but at, at the same time, it's the back of my head, well, hmm, this would be interesting if this is a Star Wars movie that's actually in trouble, but I didn't really believe it too much. I think it was, I mean, like you said, these reshoots are always planned for movies, and that's what, you know, I was expecting this to go through too, but then you start hearing people saying, oh, they're going to reshoot half the movie, and <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about that, but I was never overly concerned with it, because I just think you know, was been taken out of proportion. And this article from Entertainment Weekly kind of reaffirms that for me and hopefully put other fans at ease uh, with what actually these reshoots entail. Because, first of all, with Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly, and this is coming from Anthony Bresnikan, who, you know, seems like he has a good uh, relationship with Lucasfilm. And he's not naming sources here, but he has sources, he says, deep that are <laughs> in Lucasfilm. So I trust them when anything that everybody puts out a story like this. He would have those sources who would be reliable. So, And the gist of it is, like, his sources are telling him that, you know, this is normal. We have these planned and scheduled, like, from the get-go. And to the fact that people are saying that, you know, this is, like, half the movies being reshot is just simply not true. He goes, if that was the case, Disney and Lucasfilm would be scrambling, you know, to change the release date and, you know, rework the script and all that. Because that's another thing. There's been talk about the script being reworked uh, late in the game and different uh, type of directors coming on to shoot the, these new scenes with Gareth Edwards. But even uh, one of the script writers, uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who um, anyway, he came on pretty late, I believe. He was like the last one to do the last draft of it, if I remember correctly. But even he sent a tweet out saying, you know, like there's some you know rumors going on to like that, you know, just aren't true. So... So you just know that sometimes this stuff's going to blow out of proportion what looks like that was the case. And regarding the whole like grittier tone that Disney is trying to you know, make it more like The Force Awakens, um, they says that the movie is very different than The Force Awakens, but that's intentional. It is a war film, and he doesn't say anything about Disney, execu Disney executives forcing changes or all that. And he says that mainly the tweaks that they're making or just like character moments just expanding on that. I believe... The quote was that um, mainly what you're going to see uh, is like characters uh, in cockpits talking, really. So it's stuff that's going to enhance the stuff that was already shot. It's not going to change anything that was there. So it's basically just going to be, you know, more clarity on the characters and the character development. So that's kind of, you know, what's the point of reshoots are. So, yeah, this article, I, I think it's definitely anyone who was worried about it as uh, worth reading and hopefully put your fears to rest because, yeah, I think it's. I don't know. But at the same time, too, I know there's going to be fans out there where there's some legitimacy towards, you know, some concern about it because it is the first time, you know, we're getting a Star Wars movie that's separate from the saga film. So maybe they just want to make sure it's right. But I never bought into the whole thing of Disney 
forcing this change on them because they seem to do pretty well as far as with the Marvel movies, letting Marvel Studios handle that and not, you know, putting their inside and forcing them to do certain changes. Just let Marvel do their thing. And I have to imagine they're going to do that with Lucasfilm even more so, especially after the success of The Force Awakens. Um, And going into this, I mean, they knew it was going to be a war movie. It's been built up like that for so much. Even last year at Celebration, like we talked about. I mean, the fact that they would see it and then feel differently about it. And, uh, just, I just never bought into that they would have to change it so much. I mean, if they felt that way at the beginning, why did they, you know, give the go-ahead to make this type of movie? So, in the end, of course, we got to wait and see when we see the final movie. But I don't think there's cause to be concerned for it. It's just going to be stuff that normally happens in the movie. And while uh, definitely four weeks, it seems like longer than most reshoots, but... The fact it would be a lot longer than that if they were making big changes, like the rumors were saying, shooting half the movie mm-hmm. and that. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's kind of reaffirmed my original thinking where it was kind of being blown out of proportion. I'm not too concerned about it yet, but we'll just have to wait and see when the movie comes out. It's another thing where before we we're talking about what The Force Awakens is about, you know, how much of George's ideas were in there, what was changed. This is another thing for Rogue One now that we're going <laughs> to want to find out later on just exactly what prompted these reshoots, or besides, you know, them saying it's just a normal process but was there actually anything like from input from the higher ups that forces us to you know be a little longer than normal so we'll see but i still have full confidence in the movie and by the time we see that second trailer not even going to be thinking about this report we're just going to be so excited for what we're seeing so yeah i was glad this article came out to kind of put a little uh, put out the fires a little bit so to speak mm-hmm. yeah i mean like you said a, every movie goes through reshoots because, you know, you go through principal photography, then you get in the editing room and start putting stuff together and you realize certain scenes might just not be working as well as you thought they would. Or um, sometimes it's not even a matter of fixing issues. Sometimes it's just a matter of like, you know, getting a different perspective on it. Like once you've already shot it and you're putting it together and it could just be a matter of wanting to add to it. It could be like, oh, okay, everything we shot is working really well. But, you know, it would make this scene even better is if we shot somebody doing this or a different angle of this, that or the other thing. Um, And, you know, so sometimes it's just like you don't have as much coverage as you thought you did or you want to add a scene or add some additional action shots or whatever. Um, So that's completely normal. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, when, when the first reports started coming out that like, oh, Disney executives are panicking and they really are unhappy with this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this seems like it's being sensationalized. Um, and people are just trying to take a story and run with it. Um, oh yeah. Another thing too, that I brought out, cause part of the rumors were that they did test screenings for an audience. They mm-hmm. said that didn't go well. So that played into the reshoots, but that was debunked in this report too, saying, um, there was no test screenings and only two people who've probably seen this movie are Bob Iger and uh, Alan Horn from Disney outside you know the Lucasfilm crew so and plus Star Wars film I don't think rarely ever do any test screenings so no no and and I heard that like I haven't read this whole Entertainment Weekly article but I heard that even before this came out because like when the like probably the very first thing that I read about the Rogue One reshoots did say that they had screened it for a test audience and that the reaction was negative. And then probably within like a few hours or a day or something, I read another report on another site saying like Disney executives are unhappy with it and they don't like the tone and they're going back to do reshoots and blah, blah, blah. 
but earlier reports saying that they did a test screening are false and they didn't do a test screening for the force awakens and even if they did like they wouldn't be doing it this early and whatever so um yeah so i i definitely don't think they're you know, doing test screenings and all that. Um, but like I said, I, I felt like there was probably just, a, it sounded like a lot of this stuff was being kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, and then my third thought about it is that even if this all does turn out to be true, like worst case scenario, if they really are unhappy with it and the movie isn't good right now, then I'm still not panicking because, you know, they're going back to do reshoots. Um, and that, that's, you know, exactly, again, it's them trying to with the media, with this media and everything, it's them just trying to, you know, get attention, get a story out there, get people talking about it and make this sound like it's something big when it's not, because at this point, if the movie really is, you know, again, not living up to standards or, you know, even if it's straight up terrible and they're going back to do reshoots to try and fix it. Well, good. Like, if the movie was bad and they weren't doing reshoots to try and fix it, then that would be news. Like, yeah. that would be something to get worried about. Um, but it's like, if the movie is bad now, we're never going to see it in this this bad form because they're going back to add stuff and change stuff. And hopefully it'll be a lot better by the time it hits theaters um, and we won't need to worry about it. So, um you know, if a report comes out in October saying that Disney executives are panicking because they're really not happy with Rogue One, then I'll be worried. But when that report comes out in May or June and, you know, they're saying like, oh, they're doing reshoots to try and fix it. I'm like, well, OK, good. Let me know when they're done and see if the movie's better, because, um, you know, that's that's what they're supposed to do. Totally. And another thing, too, I forgot to mention at the outset, we're talking about this about the reshoots last about four to five weeks saying the reason for that is because they have a lot of different actors who are in this movie. It's kind of hard to schedule them all at the same time to be there. So the sources mm -hmm. that entertainment weekly was getting this information from was saying, that's kind of the reason why that those, the schedule is going to be a little longer than usual because the cast is kind of spread out all over. But, you know, at the end of the day too, I was thinking, um, cause that end of this article, it says that, um, it's kind of going to, you know, last right up until, you know, Celebration Europe. So, you know, I was going <laughs> to, Carrot Edwards is going to be doing the reshoots and then going straight to Celebration Europe. So I hope it doesn't, you know, have any confliction with his uh, scheduled appointment to be at Celebration Europe where he has to back out or anything, because that would be a bummer. But um, the source did say that, um, kind of like to give him the benefit of the doubt until the Celebration in July where he goes, uh, some of the stuff we've been working on with Rogue One will be unveiled and people will go insane. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. more more uh, evidence leading towards we're going to get some type of new footage at Rogue for Rogue One at Celebration Europe. And I'm expecting to go insane. So <laughs> it was good to kind of get that reassurance also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm well, I'm not concerned at this point. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just going to wait for the next trailer, wait for the movie, movie to come out and, and see, you know, how it all turns out. I'm not going to worry about, you know, the, the reaction to a movie that's not finished at this point, because I'm never going to see that version of it. So totally. Yeah. But again, um, if the movie disappoints, which I don't think it will, then a lot of people are going to be start asking, what was that original cut? Like what yeah. did those reshoots 
uh, were necessary or did they take away from some other stuff? So we'll just all have to wait and see when the movie comes out. But yeah. I'm not expecting that to be a discussion we'll have when we're giving our review of it on the future episode in December. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, and it's far far enough out at this point that, you know, this isn't like Fantastic Four where Josh Trank tweeted out like the night before the movie came out, like, oh, by the way, there's a better version of this yeah. movie that you're never going to get to see. Um, you know, like probably nobody will remember this by December anyway. So like whether the movie's good or bad, like this isn't going to be that big of a deal six months from now. Yeah, totally. I mean, even in, like I said before, in Celebration Europe, when we're seeing that trailer, I'm not going to be thinking about, oh, I don't know, but there are those reshoots. Even <laughs> though this looks cool, I'm not sure because they're doing reshoots. So yeah, yeah it's not even going to be in my mind when we're watching the new trailer for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's about all the row one stuff we've got to talk about. Um, now, as we mentioned, they did reportedly um, cast a, a new actor as the young Han Solo for that spinoff film. Um, it hasn't been officially confirmed by Lucasfilm or Disney, but uh, this was being tossed around by all the, the reputable Hollywood uh you know, trade websites like uh, The Hollywood Reporter and Deadline and Variety and all those sites. Um, so according to those sources, uh, the new uh, Han Solo actor will be Alden Ehrenreich. Um, I think that's how you say that. Um, and he, I guess, is uh, most known for uh, the movie Hail Caesar, which came out, I guess it was earlier this year. Um, no, it might have been early this year or late last year. Yeah, um, that was by the. I think that was the Cohen brothers who directed that. Um, so obviously, you know, not like a, a real well-known actor. Um, and I mean, they've got a picture of him side by side with Harrison Ford here, and he doesn't look exactly like him. But at the same time, I mean, I can see how if he gets the attitude and the swagger down, and you put him in the vest and the shirt, and you know put him in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon next to Chewie. I'm like, I could probably buy him as a young Han. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I, I obviously, you know, haven't seen him enough to know if, like, as far as his, uh, his personality and acting uh, abilities and all that kind of stuff, um, if he's going to, um, you know, resemble Han Solo, like, in character and not just physically but you know we'll have to just wait and see for that um but i would assume that with as many young actors as they were looking at for this um i i, I hope he's the right guy for the job because you know like they got to get this right and there's so many you know people out there that they could have cast like there's got to be a reason why they picked this guy so i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for now same here yeah and like i said in the article at the hollywood reporter that he beat out about 2,500 other actors who were auditioning for this role. So they definitely did an extensive search to try to get the perfect young Han Solo. And yeah, we can't comment if he is the perfect one just yet, because like you, I haven't really seen him in anything. And one thing that was surprised though, with the casting, I thought they were going to go a little younger. I think he's about 25 and 26. And I think he's someone just looking at a few pictures. He looks about that age. He's not like someone who's actually 25, but looks 19 or 20. He does look around that age. And you know, of course, things could change, but I know earlier on, Captain Kennedy was saying that Han Solo in this movie is going to be about 1920, so maybe he still will be. He'll just, you know, look older than he actually is, but that's one thing that I was a little surprised on. I thought they would cast someone who was like 19 or 20, so, and because I'm expecting this movie to be 
pretty early on in Han Solo's smuggling career. Like we talked about before of him maybe possibly having a cameo in Rogue One. And even in previous interviews, they were saying how we're going to, or even the press release, it was saying how we're going to see how he becomes the smuggler and pirate we know from A New Hope. So I would think that has to take place a good amount of time before A New Hope because I kind of, I really don't want this to be like, a f- couple of years before New Hope, like two, two a year, two years or so before that. I think that'd be a little too soon. So um, I got all the confidence in the world, like I said, in Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, and you know the directors of this movie, uh, and uh, Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> I don't know why I blanked on who was writing it, but Lawrence Kasdan <laughs> and his and his son who were writing it. So all these people together, I got all the confidence in the world in this movie, and I know I saw. When this was announced, some tweets saying like uh, from people, I don't want a Han Solo movie. Like, why are they making this? But I mean, it's it's. I think it's going to be a movie where people didn't know or expect it to be as good as it's going to be. It's almost like oh, we don't want this, but when we actually see it, oh, I'm so glad we got it. It was a great story and a great you know insight into Han Solo as a character. So I think it's going to prove the naysayers wrong right now. <laughs> once it comes out, it's got a great creative team behind it, and you know, but it's. it's it's a Han Solo movie. I mean, I know that everyone wants to see the origins for every character or the history of them. I'm not one of those people. The more information I get about the character, the more I enjoy it. I think it enhances the characters. So if we get that with Han Solo in this movie, I'm all for it. And I just think it's going to be a movie that people aren't expecting to be as good as it's probably end up going to be. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's just going to be fun. Exactly. Um, especially when you've got the guys who directed the Lego movie directing this, like... I think it's going to be a total 180 from the gritty war movie of Rogue One. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, especially with a younger Han, you know, before he gets caught up in the rebellion and has a son who turns to the dark side and all that, we're just going to see Han and Chewie running around stealing from people and, you know, running from Jabba the Hutt and running from the Empire and, you know, doing whatever they're going to do. Um, I'm... I might be more excited to see Chewie in this movie than Han, but I mean, I am excited to see like what they do with the young Han and how this guy plays the role and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, just seeing the meeting between Han Solo and Chewie for the first time is, I think, going to be something special to see on the screen. So yeah. just that alone, if we get that, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I'm also interested to see if they're going to cast a young Lando and like maybe we'll see Han win the Falcon yeah. from him for the first time. Um you know, like whatever ends up happening here, like, I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be, you know, fun and, and entertaining to watch. Um, I mean, if anything, you know, I, I can kind of understand where some people are coming from where they say like, oh, do we really need this? But I mean, for me, you could say the same about Rogue One. Like, do you really need to see how the Rebels stole the Death Star plans when we already know that they're going to end up stealing them and they're going to end up blowing up the Death Star? Um, and and for me, I mean, I think just because the story of Rogue One is more serious, um, I mean, obviously I'm excited for both these movies and I'm, I'm still definitely excited for Rogue One and everything, but it's like if I had to pick one that seemed more unnecessary, it's like Rogue One seems more likely to kind of take itself too seriously when, again, like I said, we already know how the story ends anyways, whereas like with the Han Solo film, yeah, we don't really need it, but if you're going to just watch a movie for a couple hours and be entertained, like I'd rather watch Han and Chewie running around than a bunch of unnamed rebels who are just paving the way for Luke Skywalker. Um, 
But, you know, it's all Star Wars and it's all adding new stories to this universe. So I'm just excited to see all of it. Yeah, and I think the big thing is just, you know, Han Solo is an iconic character played by an iconic actor. And, you know, it is looking like that Alden um, Enright is going to be the successor to Han Solo after Harrison Ford. Those are big shoes to fill. And I'm sure he knows the pressure that a lot of fans that are going to be, you know, expecting to see from his performance to capture that Han Solo essence. So I think that's mainly where the you know, hesitations coming from too, just to see somebody else as Han Solo. It's almost like that thing where, you know, if Harrison Ford is into play him, then I don't want to see any stories with Han Solo. So, Oh yeah, sure. I, and I think, you know, or hopefully I'm hoping that this movie is going to, you know, turn those people around and just hopefully enjoy a new star Wars movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I sure hope that, um, you know, again, that all of these are enjoyable and, you know, depending on how long they go with this. I mean, we know, we, we've heard them say, oh, for the foreseeable future, there's going to be, you know, a new Star Wars movie every year. Well, if they keep doing that for the next 20 years, eventually there's going to be one that's not that great. Um, you know, even with Marvel, like, pretty much all their movies have been pretty good, but some have been better than others. You know, there, there aren't a lot of people who absolutely loved, you know, Iron Man 2 or... Um, Thor, the know, Dark Th- Thor the Dark World, you know, those kind of seem to be lower on, on most people's lists. So the more Star Wars movies we get, eventually they're going to be a couple like that. Um, but, you know, for now, like I said, I, I just hope that uh, that they're just fun and entertaining and that they're, uh, you know, good new story additions to, to the Star Wars universe here. Yeah, that's all we can hope for right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's the young Han Solo. Now, uh, normally we would start off with, you know, the the big episode movie that we're going to talk about. Um, but we saved episode eight for last this time, uh, specifically to to give a spoiler warning here. Well, first of all, before we get to the spoilers, um, Ryan Johnson tweeted out or tweeted Tumblr. I don't know. What, what do you call it when you post something on Tumblr? He tumbled this out. Um, <laughs> I rolled it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't tumble. I only Facebook and Twitter. I don't instantly gram. I, <laughs> I, I only have a Snapchat because my girlfriend made me get one and I hardly ever use it uh, and she's like my only friend on my snapchat list um and i'm yeah. with you on the no tumbles but i do a gram sometimes just not instantly so yeah okay well yeah I, I don't tumble so i don't know how to use this thing but uh yeah so he posted an image on here um just of luke's uh robe and you know some film equipment and what looks like a backdrop of probably some rocks on uh what is it, Achto? Uh, that's, you know, the, the Jedi yeah. planet that Ray goes to find Luke on. Octo, Octo, I don't know. We'll find out the pronunciation, hopefully, in episode. Yeah, Octo. Uh, and, he, and then uh, just with this picture, he put the caption, in the home stretch. So it sounds like they're getting close to wrapping production on episode eight. Um, now, we've got a, a leaked... Uh, scene description here from Making Star Wars. Now, it's funny because we haven't been talking about a lot of these as much lately, and it seems like they haven't been leaking quite as much as they did for Episode Seven. Yeah, um, that too. But they've still been posting some stuff, and we're not talking about all of it. Um, I haven't even read all of it. I've kind of been trying to avoid spoilers a little bit more with this movie than I did with the last one. But at the same time, there are certain things 
that just make me want to go, you know, that I, I read the headline and I'm like, Ooh, I should stay away from it. Cause it's spoilers. And then I'm like, no, that just sounds too awesome. I have to know, like my, my curiosity needs to be satisfied right now. <laughs> and, uh, when you see Luke Skywalker and the Knights of Ren mentioned in the same post, I'm just like, what is going on here? I, I need to know. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read this here. Um, this is, you know, from, from Jason Ward at, uh, making star Wars.net spoiler warning. So, so, you know, turn back now I, I, on a scale of, um, yeah, th this isn't like huge, huge, like movie ruining spoilers. Um, this isn't like saying who's going to die at the end or whatever, but it's setting up a pretty awesome scene that you might want to just wait and, and, be surprised by um also i mean i don't know that i would say it's a huge surprise that this is going to happen but then just you know reading how it all plays out assuming this is all correct just sounds really freaking cool um so in this article he says recently i glimpsed some photos of a set on the water at malin head um, on the shoreline were seven men in black there might be uh more but some of the people are hard to make out all of these people are wearing all black with helmets resembling medieval knights with weapons. The characters are not wearing the black covers to hide their costumes like they did back at Dubrovnik. Uh, these are actual black costumes. It is my opinion and the source's opinion that these are the Knights of Ren. Kylo Ren could always have another gang of warriors in black, but I think it's likely that <clears throat> they are the guys we saw in The Force Awakens. Uh, there are black-helmeted medieval-looking figures going after Luke Skywalker and Rey on the coast of Octo. The guys I once referred to as Jedi Hunters back in the day were described in the same way back during the production of Star Wars The Force Awakens. From what I have heard a few times, Rey is reluctant with, if not angry, at Luke Skywalker because she has to kill Kylo Ren and she doesn't want to do it. Uh, the scene that follows appears to be when the showdown finally begins. I suppose she accepts her duty or has no choice but to fight. Uh, the text below is what the source witnessed. Uh, and then it's just got a list of bullet points here of what happens in this scene. Um, it says, Luke Skywalker and Rey are on Octo just before nightfall as the sun sets in the background and it starts to rain. Rey's hair is pulled back. She doesn't have the vest from Seven on. Luke and Rey are wearing the costumes we described before. Um, and I think we might have talked about that before where Rey is yeah. basically wearing the same costume from the end of Episode 8 but without the vest. And Luke is wearing um, almost kind of like a Count Dooku kind of you know, black tunic and pants and then a cape that kind of like drapes over one shoulder kind of thing. Um, and it says Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren turn up along the coast. Uh, Kylo Ren continues advancing toward the heroes with the Knights of Ren. Uh, Kylo does not wear the mask here. He has the same cross guard saber as he did in seven. Um, and his costume looked the same as seven. Kylo uh, Ray and Kylo Ren duel one-on-one -on -one and end up fighting along the cliff face overlooking the nighttime water. Kylo wants his revenge after Rey disgraced him. The Knights of Ren go for Luke while Rey is left for Kylo. Ready? This is where it starts getting good. <laughs> oh, yes. Luke Skywalker engages the Knights of Ren on the beach while Kylo attempts to kill Rey. The first Black Knight has an axe and moves toward Luke, but is force pushed away to his death after being thrown through the air. After Luke dispatches the first knight, he ignites his green lightsaber. Luke moves through each knight one by one. Uh, Rey in Kylo's battle moves up to the side of a cliff. Suddenly, Rey is nowhere to be seen. She's taken out of the battle. She's either wounded or appears to go over the side of the cliff. 
Luke Skywalker casually walks toward Kylo to finish him off, but Kylo retreats when he sees his crew is defeated. And Luke Skywalker is a BA Jedi and he'll destroy your squad. (laughs) (laughs) I freaking love this. Um, Now, this does raise questions for me as in in terms of where this happens in the movie. Um, Because, I mean, obviously it sounds like this is kind of, um, you know, would be leading up to like a big final climactic battle, except that Luke and Ray are still on Octo. Um, so I'm like, are they going to stay there for the whole movie? Do they like start there and then leave and then come back? Or does this actually happen fairly early on in the movie? But I don't think it's going to happen, you know, sort of early on or towards the middle because, I mean, nobody knew where Luke was. And then, of course, you know, the Resistance got the map through, you know, BB-8 and everything, and Ray went off to find him. Um, but if this is supposed to take place, you know, picking up exactly from where uh, The Force Awakens left off, um, you know, the last time we saw Kylo Ren, he was, you know, scarred and beaten, and Snoke told uh, General Hux to bring Kylo Ren back to him and that he was going to complete his training. So I doubt, you know, a couple days later, he's going to be running off suddenly, you know, okay, Knights of Ren, let's go, I know where Luke is. Um, so that's why it kind of has me wondering, like, this definitely can't be at the beginning of the movie, but it's like, is it toward the middle? Is it at the end and they're still on the same planet? Is it at the end and they're back on the same planet after leaving and maybe going to try to find some Jedi artifacts like elsewhere in the galaxy? And then maybe the Knights of Ren, you know, spotted them and tracked them back to, to the planet or something like that. Um, or is this completely made up just to sound really cool um because on the (laughs) one hand i like i don't know for for me um i'm like does it seem a little soon for ray and kylo to be having another showdown um i mean i guess that's one other thing that you pretty much have to have in every star wars movie is a lightsaber duel and I guess if there's going to be another lightsaber duel in this movie, it's probably got to be between Rey and Kylo because it's definitely, you know, it's not time for like the final showdown between Luke and Snoke yet. Um, But at the same time, I don't know. I kind of wanted to see this movie focus more on like the resistance and the first order fighting each other. And then just focus on like the separate stories of Ray and Kylo going through their individual training um, and see Luke or see Ray becoming a Jedi and training with Luke and see, um, you know, Kylo Ren becoming, I don't know, a Sith or whatever Snoke is training him to be. Um, And of course you don't want it to just be training sequences the whole time. Like I still want to see, uh, Ray in action and definitely want to see Luke in action, but I don't like, I don't know how I feel about having, you know, having Ray and Kylo just, you know, meet again in the next movie and fight again. Um, because it's too early to kill either of them off. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, but I was we'll, thinking we'll see how not, that goes. Yeah. See what you were saying. I think we will get what you're talking about, you know, um, with, Ray and Kyle seeing their training. Just I'm not sure how much we'll see of it, but if it's anything like Luke's on Dagobah, that would be fine as far as you know getting the point across of them being trained and then ready to fight mm-hmm. each other again. And as gar- regards to what you were saying about 
Uh, none of the characters, both of those characters can die just yet. I mean, you know, nothing's set in stone, but we're expecting them both to be in episode nine and have their fates, you know, kind of see where it goes in that movie. But we don't, this could be the movie where we see Ray lose. When we see, we saw Kylo lost her in episode seven. This is where we could maybe see Kylo get the best of her. And it kind of looks like that's what happens in the description where it says she's kind of, she's on the cliff and we don't know if she, you know, gets back up or she falls off. But it looks like she's not going to come out of this battle on top like she did in the force awakens so this could be you know ray's big loss to kylo and then maybe by episode nine you know they both faced each other twice one uh they both won a fight and lost the fight and then that's you know the last one they'll have in episode nine is gonna you know gonna decide the fate of the galaxy it's for all the marvels type of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll be ready to go but yeah first let me just geek out a little bit about the stuff with luke and then i'll express one concern i have about this report but i mean isn't this what we were hoping to see or hear about Luke in The Force Awakens? Or just even when the sequel trilogy got announced, just Luke in action again, just showing that he's a Jedi Master both through the Force and lightsaber and lightsaber skills. Oh, man. this What we're talking about, speculating on an Episode Eight trailer already and possibly seeing Luke ignite his lightsaber, like, this is the scene I'm picturing right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get a shot from this. See him surrounded by a bunch of hooded figures and then boom, he ignites his lightsaber and then the trailer ends and it cuts to the credits and all that. But yeah, I just love the way it's set up where Luke's not just going to face Kylo, but he's facing a bunch of people, not just one opponent. That's going to be awesome to see. And the setting even, it's night, it's in the rain. And it got me thinking about the Force vision that Ray had where we see the Knights of Ren in the rain. Was that... We all assumed that was a flashback with Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren destroying uh, Luke's Jedi Temple. But is this maybe she's getting a glimpse of the future? Is she seeing that from Episode Eight? Are we going to see this play out? I mean, hmm. I know it says that Kylo Ren doesn't have his helmet for there, but you know, it could either be something they'll add in post, or maybe the vision was just you know not totally clear. So I don't know. But it kind of made me think that maybe that sequence in Episode Seven is a little flash forward to what we might see in Episode Eight. So. That got me intrigued, and then here's the one thing that I got a little concerned about. I don't know how you feel about this, Kyle, but how it said in the report that um, Rey is kind of reluctant or even angry at Luke because she has to kill Kylo Ren and she doesn't want to. I kind of have a little hard time believing that Luke would want her or tell her, you know, you have to kill Kylo Ren to complete your training or whatnot because, you know, he had Yoda and Obi-Wan told him the same thing about Vader, if anybody's going to understand about not wanting to kill someone and maybe, you know, try to bring him back to the light side, it would be Luke because that's what he did with Vader. His way worked. He defeated Vader, you know, by not fighting him, not killing him, showing that he still loved his father. And, you know, we'll see where the whole family dynamic goes with Rey and if she has any connection all to the Skywalkers or Solo or if there's going to be a family dynamic that's going to make her want to try to bring Kylo back or just the fact that she thinks she can. So... I don't know. I just have a hard time feeling that Luke's going to, you know, kind of force her or say your training's not complete until you do kill Kylo Ren, just because it'd kind of be, I don't know, almost in a way reverting back to the old Jedi ways that didn't work. And he proved already that his way was the correct path to go on to, you know, uh, help Darth Vader bring balance to the Force mm-hmm. and save his father. So, unless the whole thing was Kylo Ren wiping out his new Jedi Academy and. All that happened to him as far as become exiling himself. If his whole way of thinking just, you know, flip flopped and he's now going back to, you know, it's 
more of a way than the old Jedi were thinking and what Obi-Wan and Yoda taught him or told him to do if he's uh, accepting that more for what happened. So I don't know. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where Luke's character is at in Episode Eight. But I just felt that reading that description, and, you know, maybe it's not that part wasn't accurate. We'll have to see. But just didn't fit with the character I know of Luke, and I will, I'm hoping and expecting to be in Episode Eight. So, again, we'll have to wait and see what his character is like. But that's something that kind of stood out to me, where it doesn't seem very Luke-like after what we saw him do in Return of the Jedi. So I don't know if that stood out to you or if you felt that same way. Well, that did kind of cross my mind, but I think there are definitely some differences here between... Luke's relationship with Vader and Rey's relationship with Kylo Ren. Um, I mean, for one thing, we don't really know what the connection is between yeah. Rey and Kylo yet. Although, I mean, there's got to be some connection there. Um, and I think we talked about this on our last episode, too. Um, maybe, I don't know, it's been so long, but just kind of speculating about like what the, the history between those two characters might be and how... You know, on the one hand, they don't seem to be related. Like at this point, I don't think, I, I definitely don't think it's going to turn out to be revealed that Rey actually is Han and Leia's daughter. Um, although if she is Luke's daughter, she would still be related to Kylo, I guess. Um, but, you know, just the fact that, like, you know, even if she's just some random girl, like when when Kylo's officer comes and tells him that BB-8 escaped Jakku and that, uh, you know, Finn helped him escape, but then that the two were also aided by a girl and suddenly you see him snap and he force chokes the guy and he's like, what girl? Like he knows that there's a force sensitive girl on Jakku. Um, and, and there's some kind of connection there between the two characters, but I don't think it's as strong as the bond between a father and a son. Um, and so Luke, you know, strongly believe that he could bring Vader back, but maybe he doesn't feel the same about Rey. He also says that he could sense the good in Vader still. You know, when Obi-Wan and Yoda yeah. were saying you have to kill him, and Luke's like, no, I know there's still good in him. Well, maybe he's going to try that with Kylo Ren and is going to, you know, encounter him for the first time after Kylo having killed Han, and maybe Luke's going to be like, nope, not this time. Like, there's no good left in him. Um... Or, you know, I mean, there, there could be, you know, any any number of reasons to it. But I think, like I said, it's it's a bit more complicated than just the son wanting to save his father. Because um, also, I mean, just the fact that, uh, that, you know, Ben Solo would kill his own father. I mean, even with Anakin, and I don't know how much of Anakin's backstory, you know, Luke had learned from Obi-Wan and Yoda. Um, but sure, you know, he walked into the Jedi Temple and slaughtered younglings, but he never would have killed his own mother. Like his mother dying and that sense of loss is what sort of drove him down the dark side in the first place. But he never would have done that himself. And even with Padme, I mean, he choked her, but he, you know, he was kind of lashing out in anger and then stopped and thought he left her alive. And then when, yeah. you know, when Palpatine told him that he killed her, which, you know, he was sort of lying to him. Um, but you know, he was devastated and he was like, no, she was alive. I felt it. Um, and, you know, so so even though Vader was evil and, you know, would murder Jedi and whatnot, he still had people that, you know, were, were close to him that he loved that he wouldn't want to harm. And so maybe when Luke learns that, you know, Ben Solo, you know, in addition to turning to the dark side and killing all of Luke's Jedi, then went and murdered his own father who was trying to help bring him back to the light, you know, maybe Luke is like, 
okay, well, you know, even Vader wouldn't have done that. Like, this guy is too far gone. Um, and as you're saying that, it's kind of making me think, too, where, you know, how I took it from The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren killing Han Solo. I mean, that was to signify he's full-on embracing the dark side. Like, he shunned away the light that, you know, as he said, he's being torn apart. And when he killed Han, um, at least that's what his intention was, to, you know, extinguish the light that he had in his full-on dark side. So, mm-hmm. again, we'll have to see if, if that was successful in Episode Eight, where he's full-on embracing the dark side. There's not an ounce of good or light in him left. Or, you know... If that is, and I could buy that a little more, where Luke's reaction would to be that, but I still don't know why Ray would be reluctant to if she does not sense something like good or a glimmer of light in there, or you know, not wanting to kill. I mean, Leia already lost her husband, and now she has to kill her son too. So all that stuff that's going into it, and wouldn't Luke think that also, where uh, he would be killing Han and Leia's son, even though he's evil? I just. Again, this is rumor, so it's not fact, but I just have a hard time thinking that Luke would be so quick to or be dead set on having that be Ray's path if that mm-hmm. is the way, you know, this plays out in the movie as it's being described here. So, yeah, I don't well, know. I, I don't think the movie's going to start out with him telling Ray, like, okay, no, you keep that lightsaber and go stab Kylo Ren through the heart. With it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think there's going to be some development there, and I think whatever Luke's stance on this ends up being, I think there'll be a very good reason for it. Um, Because this isn't something that I feel like is completely out of character for him. Like on the surface, yeah, maybe, but through, you know, the circumstances and whatnot of the movie, um, I I think, you know, I I could certainly see him maybe getting to that point. Maybe they'll encounter Kylo Ren earlier in the movie and they'll try to capture him or, uh, you know, give him a chance to turn himself in or give him a chance to, to turn back to the light side and he'll end up escaping and like murdering 20 innocent people uh, as he as he flees from them and Luke's just going to be like, okay, you know what, for the greater good, like just so we don't put any more people in danger, like we have to take this guy out of the picture. Um, so, you know, again, I, I just feel like even though it doesn't seem like a very Luke-like thing to do. I also don't think abandoning his dream of restarting the Jedi Order and going into hiding on some deserted island seems like a very Luke thing to do either. So, you know, it's just like, you know, when you when you hear it on the surface, it might not seem to fit. But I think once we actually see it in the movie, I think there, there are numerous ways that I could see him getting to that point or, or ways that I could see that making sense within the story. Yeah, know what I hope too that this whole debate, if like this ends up being true, or that him and Ray are having, one of them has some encounter with some old Force spirits <laughs> to <laughs> set some knowledge and insight on this. I mean, how great it would it be if Anakin came to him? Because you know, like I said, it comes back to Darth Vader and what Luke did to save him, and what bring and Vader having some good in him, and know if he shed some, you know. <laughs> Uh, wisdom or experiences and just what he thinks on the whole situation about his grandson. So uh, I just really hope he gets some Forrest Ghost stuff in there to kind of, you know, weigh in and just bring more aspects of how, you know, the last Jedi and the future of the Jedi together and what they should do to move forward and to bring back balance to the Force and to bring the Jedi Order back. So I would just love to, we get some insight, you know, to the old Jedi from the old Republic and what they think about this whole situation and how to deal with it. That would be so awesome. Yeah, that would definitely be cool to see too. Um, 
And I know I, I think I actually was just reading something earlier where, you know, there was an interview with Hayden Christensen and he said, you know, if they asked him to come back to Star Wars, he'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I just and, saw that too. And there have been rumors that, you know, he might appear in episode eight as a force ghost. And I know a lot of people would be like, oh, no, not him again. But I don't know. I like... Again, I don't like to be one to criticize George Lucas too harshly, but I am interested to see what... I mean, I don't think Hayden Christian's like the greatest actor anyways. Um, I, I'm not going to say that his performance in, in the prequels was all just because of, you know, George Lucas's writing or whatever, but I am interested to see if he might be a little more tolerable for some people with a different script under different direction. Um... Because obviously at some point the guy was a good enough actor for him to be cast in Star Wars in the first place. Like, not just anybody can do that. Um, and, you know, I, I think when he was younger, you know, he was showing some promise in, you know, some other projects and stuff that weren't as heavily criticized as his performance in the prequels. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. I might be kind of willing to give him another shot. But at the same time, it's like, well, do we really need to see Anakin as a Force ghost? I don't know. I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it, but I do think it would be kind of cool to see. You know, yeah, I'm totally like, bring him on. I really want to see him. It's not something that they have to do, but it'd be something I really want to see. And with Hayden Christensen on there, too, because, yeah, you got to have that. Uh, I just like seeing the connection to the, you know, what the history of Star Wars and mm -hmm. he's Darth Vader and Anakin is the center of that and to see him back see Anakin in this era and as something we've never seen him before would be so cool and yeah I mean I know like you said there probably would be some people who would go uh, why do you got to bring the prequels into this so it's like but I don't know I'll, this might sound harsh but screw those fans <laughs> like, just bring it on it is Star Wars and whether you like it or not that is Anakin Skywalker and you got to bring him back because he is Anakin in the movie so you know, just on the geeky fanboy level, regardless, you know, of acting and quality of acting, whatever, but just to have Anakin Skywalker brought back into the sequel trilogy is something that I'm dying to see and really hope happens. Because like I said before, it's just Darth Vader is the central figure in all of this. And to see him back in this era of Star Wars, when again, his, his actions are still having effects on the galaxy in a big way. And I would just love, love to see, you know, just kind of what he's what he's thinking in this time period as a force spirit and just how he's interacting with his son Luke, the person that he tried to get to to join him to rule the galaxy, but now as he back to the light side, how he's, he interacts with Luke and what their relationship is like. So all that stuff is just so fascinating and intriguing to me. I just hope we get a little piece of that in the movie and then, you know, kind of later expanded on in books or comics or whatnot. But if we get that in the movie with Hayden Christensen as Anakin, I <laughs> be through the moon of excitement to see that so hoping that that is the case like you said we've heard some rumors and then Hayden's quotes from today say doing it in a heartbeat is leaving me more hopeful of that we may see that happen one day so hopefully it ends up panning out at least for me I really hope it ends mm. up panning out yeah I mean that that would be pretty cool um, but anyway um, I mean that obviously leaves us with a, a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to in episode 8 lots to speculate about um, and that's just based off this one scene. You I know. know. <laughs> I mean, we, well, I was going to say, we don't know what's going on with, uh, Finn and Poe and all the rest of the guys, but we have heard, you know, a couple of rumors about that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think this is the, the area that I'm most excited for 
um in episode eight like by far totally yeah um, <laughs> right i mean I, i'm excited to see more of finn i'm definitely excited to see more of poe because we know um I, I think there was an interview with oscar isaac recently too where he said that poe is going to have a much bigger role in episode eight because in episode seven he was originally supposed to be killed off early in the movie um I'm assuming probably like when the TIE fighter crashes on Jakku yeah. that, you know, originally Poe was actually just going to die in the crash and Finn was going to be the only one who survives. And then J.J. Abrams, you know, found a way to work him into the rest of the story and have him survive. Um, but, you know, he didn't have that big of a role in the rest of the story because he originally wasn't supposed to be in it. Um, and just in episode eight, they're able to write a bigger part in for him. Um, but honestly, I mean, I'd be happy if he was still just flying around whooping and hollering and cheering and shooting down tie fighters like he was for the second half of the force awakens um and you know i'm interested to see where finn's character goes from here too but really i mean especially because luke got like five seconds of screen time in the force awakens like really the thing i'm most excited to see is the development of luke and ray and kylo and supreme leader snoke um and maybe even find out who Snoke is if he's really anybody or if he's just Snoke but you know find out more about his his character and his motivations and his history and whatnot um you know whether that be in this movie or the next movie but um it's like okay we've gotten the introduction to you know the the heroes and the first order and the resistance and all that but like now I really want to dive into like the the meaty you know Jedi and Sith and Force kind of stuff so Totally right there with you. I mean, anything that has to do with the Force, and of course, you know, with Luke, like you said, this being the first time we're really going to see him in action again since Return of the Jedi, that's going to be the highlight, I'm sure, for most fans and people going in to see this movie. So, and if it's anything like that, with this one scene uh, description that we've got is anything just uh, that we're in store for an episode eight to be excited for, man. <laughs> we're in for some awesome stuff in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like old Luke has kept himself in better shape than old Obi-Wan did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But, um, yeah, man. I've, and again, you know, we, we talk about, you know, our excitement for uh, Rogue One and the young Han Solo movie and all that kind of stuff. But for me, honestly, that really is all filler. Like... As far as my excitement levels for the movies go, like I'm already more excited for episode eight than I am for Rogue One. And I've said that before, but and, you know, obviously I, I'm still excited for Rogue One. I'm still going to go see it. Um, you know, the next time they come up with a new trailer for it, we're going to do another probably three hour review episode of it. Um, but in the back of my mind the whole time i'm just going to be thinking this is just holding me over till the next time i get to see luke and kylo ren and all the rest of those guys <laughs> and how awesome is that really <laughs> yeah i gotta wait for a new star wars movie but i got another star wars movie to hold me over yeah exactly really it's like about. <laughs> dang it what am i gonna do while i'm waiting for the next star wars movie to come out and hold me over in the meantime oh i don't know i guess i'll just go watch this other star wars movie yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm telling you we're getting spoiled and like the kids who are growing up with this first experience of Star Wars being like this are going to be so spoiled. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's you guys like, have to wait three You'll years never know what it's like to wait three years between movies and then like 20 years between trilogies. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's going to become the stuff of legends. Mm hmm Well, actually, all the, the old books and comics and stuff are the stuff of legends. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, our experiences will actually have happened. Oh. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Um, well, anyway, that uh, just about wraps it up for this episode. Ooh, I got to talk fast on the outro. We can finish this in under two hours. Um, wow. <laughs> when was the last time that happened? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, well, I mean, I guess I could talk about Comic-Con a little bit more, but I could... Uh, yeah, I'll probably still save that for the next episode because our next one might be a little bit shorter, depending on how much video game news comes out of E3. I'm not expecting a whole lot because we've also got Celebration Europe in you know next month, and I'm, I'm expecting there'll probably be some game news out of there as well. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I'll, I'll still hold on to that uh, that Comic Con panel audio uh, for the next episode. Um, but man, that was just so much fun. Um, like I went as, you know, Kylo Ren on Friday and Sunday and I went as Finn on Saturday and, you know, just got my pictures taken with like a bunch of other, you know, awesome Star Wars cosplayers and, you know, just, you know, some, some other, uh, people in costume from other stuff that I recognized too. There was probably the most well done costume actually I saw from the whole weekend was somebody dressed as Legion from Mass Effect. Um, the, oh, nice. the Geth character, uh, for any of you who've played the, the Mass Effect games. Um, and I mean, it had like the shepherd armor with the hole in the chest and it like lit up on the inside and the, the eye on the front lit up and everything. Like it was just, it's one of those costumes that you see from down the hallway and just like make a beeline for like, I <laughs> need to take a picture with that guy. That was super impressive. Um, uh, or, that, picture with that, him or, or that, or that girl, costume? I guess. Cause I, I, who knows who was under that costume? Um, but no, that was that was on my first day there. So that was when I was Kylo Ren. Okay. Um, I've got that picture up on Facebook. Um, yeah, I see that one. I got to check that one out. Yeah, man. And uh, but yeah, I mean, and you know what? Like, honestly, one of the most rewarding parts about it for me, too, is like when kids want to come up and get their pictures taken with you, because when other adults come up and are, you know, want to they're like oh hey that's a cool costume or they want to take your picture with you or i i fought a whole bunch of rays um i mean <laughs> probably over the course of the weekend i i posed for pictures with like a dozen girls in ray costumes you know where we're crossing lightsabers and it was fun because every time we would do that we would like draw a crowd um you know and, and even just on my own as kylo ren like i i got you know stopped by a decent amount of people who wanted to take pictures like it was a, a pretty good uh, you know, like a, a popular costume. I think I did mine pretty well. Um, I saw some people there whose Kylo Ren costumes were even more detailed than mine, but also because I'm six, eight, like I stand out above the crowd. And so, you know, obviously people are like, Oh, Hey, there's a Kylo Ren over there. Um, so I had a lot of people just like individually asking me for pictures, but then anytime I would like fight a girl just as Ray, then, you know, we would just have like a couple of our friends taking pictures of us. But the next thing you know, there's like six or eight people gathered around us who all just want to take <laughs> pictures of Ray fighting Kylo Ren because it's cool. Um, and that kind of stuff just kind of like, that just makes me feel good. I'm like, oh yeah, I made this cool costume and everybody wants to take a picture of it and it kind of, you know, gives me a little bit of an ego. But then when kids want to come up and take their picture with you and, you know, it's like, you know, three like little brothers and sisters or whatever and they're all just like getting to take a picture with this cool Star Wars character that they like, then it's like, you know, less of a an ego thing and more just like, oh, okay, now I just feel good because, 
you know, it's not about me and my costume. It's just I help these, you know, little kids get to, like, meet their favorite Star Wars character. And they don't know all the, the stuff that goes into cosplaying and whatever. Um, you know, they don't know there's somebody under there who spent a bunch of time and effort putting this costume together and, you know, wants to get their picture all over the Internet and stuff. It's like they just, you know, want to want to get to meet their favorite characters and stuff. So that's always cool. And, you know, that's that's a, a fun part of it. Um, yeah, definitely check out Kyle's costume. I tweeted a picture of it yesterday on our Twitter page about uh, which uh, as we're recording this episode was June 8th with you uh, with uh, Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. And that was one of my other favorite (laughs) moments. Um, The the 501st Legion uh, here in Arizona, they always do a big setup there every year where they've got um, kind of their own little corner of the the display hall where um, they've got some different Star Wars backdrops. Like you can sit at the Moss Eisley Cantina and point a blaster at Greedo or you can get your picture taken with Boba Fett in front of Han and Carbonite or whatever. Um, And there's there's this one area where they've got a backdrop that kind of looks like the... um, the hallway of the Tantive Four, and they'll usually have like either Darth Vader or some stormtroopers over there that you can get your picture taken with. Well, one time I went over there as Kylo Ren, and it was just Darth Vader over there. I'm like, oh, cool, let me get a picture of, of Vader and Kylo together. And so we take a picture, you know, where we're kind of like clenching our fists, both looking like we're, we're bad guys going to rule the galaxy. Um, and then the guy in the Vader mask says to me like, hey, now before you leave, and he just like puts his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, I just want to do this pose where, you know, I'm like your grandfather, and I'm talking to you and and giving you advice and so i played along with it and i was like oh grandfather (laughs) tell me stories about the clone wars and you know he just starts making stuff up about how he you know force choked this guy and pushed this guy and through it (laughs) and i'm acting like a kid like oh that's so cool and that was like so much fun it's those little impromptu like in character moments that are also really fun about you know doing those costumes and stuff um because I don't know, like apparently some people think it's, you know, annoying or pretentious, like if you cosplay as a character and then try to act like that character. But I'm like, obviously, I know I'm not actually Kylo Ren. I didn't stab my father and kill a bunch <laughs> of Jedi and I don't have a big nasty scar across my face and, you know, whatever. Like, but when you dress up as that character, especially if you put a lot of work and effort into into your costume and it, it you know, actually looks pretty good, like... I don't know. For me personally, I'm like, how can you do that and not get into character at least a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> um, in previous years, I've gone as the doctor from Doctor Who talking a British accent all day, like because I'm the doctor. Why would I not do that? Um, you know, I, I just think it's really fun. Um, and actually, you know, I, I would encourage people out there who, you know, if you're thinking about going to conventions and going in costume and stuff like just do it. It's so much fun. Um and it's, it's one of those things where when I was younger and first sort of discovered this whole, you know, bigger side of, of um, you know, the, these fan bases and stuff with, you know, the conventions and the costuming and all that kind of stuff, I was like, man, I love me some Star Wars, but those nerds are crazy and on a whole nother level that I'll never be at. And surprise, here I am. Um, and I'm <laughs> like, wow, I don't feel like some crazy super nerd. I'm just a guy who's you know, just as passionate about Star Wars as I was when I was a kid, except now I have the the skill and the resources and the time to make my own costumes as a hobby just because why the heck not? It's fun. So, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I love doing that kind of stuff. And yeah, Phoenix Comic Con is just it was an awesome time. Um, we did a saber walk on on the Friday night where um, at the end of the day, they got like 
all the maybe not all the people but you know they basically the the premise of it was that people in star wars costumes and with lightsabers would all meet up outside the the convention center and then just go for a walk around downtown phoenix for like a couple blocks with and you know there were probably like i don't know 500 people walking into the streets with lightsabers <laughs> um and that was just like this is freaking cool right now um <laughs> I can imagine just someone just walking down there or just driving by there and seeing all those lightsabers walking down a block. <laughs> that had to be awesome to see. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, the the police had like sh the street blocked off for us and everything too. So it was like, you know, people were probably stopped at, you know, signs or whatever and being like, hey, what's the deal? Like, why can't I get through this intersection? And then you see a whole crowd of people with lightsabers <laughs> come by just like, what the heck? Uh. Um but yeah, so it was it was a ton of fun. Um, like I said, I will have the the audio from our panel on the next episode, um, and that was a lot of fun too. I mean, I I love you know hanging out with Joey and Jason and just talking Star Wars with those guys. Um, we've had some great Star Wars panels in the past, and you know this was another good one. Um, you'll get you know like I said, you'll hear us talk about a lot of the some of the same stuff that Tim and I talk about on this show, but you'll get some some different perspectives of it. Um, in particular, I always just love giving Jason a hard time because he is like the the most anti Plagueis theory person I have ever met. <laughs> like you, you bring up the the whole theory about Supreme Leader Snoke being Darth Plagueis, and and he can you know, give you a, a long speech about why that's like the worst idea ever. So of course you brought um, it up like 10 times during that panel. Oh, right? exactly. Well, we, we brought it up once and, and had a good debate about it where, you know, he brought up all his points of why he hated it. And then I gave all my counterpoints. Um, and, you know, as I've said before, I'm not like a staunch believer in that theory. I'm not going to go into episode eight expecting to find out that Supreme Leader Snoke is Darth Plagueis. I just think it would be cool. And I think that, I mean, I just love how it's the, the theory that won't die. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that every time they try to debunk it, I'm like, that still doesn't sound completely debunked. Like, it still sounds like they're being a little dodgy about this. Um, so I just like to talk about it. I think it's a cool idea. I It's one of my favorite theories just to talk talk about and speculate about. And so I, I like pushing Jason's buttons when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, so that was a blast. Um, and yeah, you, you guys will hear, get to hear all about that on the next episode and hopefully also, uh, get to hear about some awesome Star Wars gaming news, uh, coming out of E3. Um, although my prediction at this point is the just that we'll get, uh, a bunch more details and probably a gameplay trailer for the Star Wars Battlefront Bespin expansion, which is coming out, uh, this month, which will be before Celebration Europe. Um, so I think that's going to be the big E3 thing. And then, you know, maybe at Celebration, we might get some new reveals or something. Um, but we'll talk about all that next time. So, uh, Tim, anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap up this episode here? I guess the only thing I'll add right now, I still haven't finished it yet, but I'm almost done with uh, Star Wars Bloodline, the new novel by Claudia Gray about Princess Leia. And I'm near the end of it, but it's been really good so far. It's it's enjoyable in the beginning, and in the middle but near the end and where some stuff happens it really kicks in the gear where it's like stuff i think it's not like surprising but stuff star wars fans should read and know about of how this stuff goes down so i mm -hmm. highly recommend it i'm really enjoying it so 
hopefully by the next episode, uh, I'll be finished with it and just maybe give some quick thoughts on how it ended and where it ranks with some of the other novels. But right now, I'm really enjoying where it's going and <laughs> some new layer that's adding to the Star Wars galaxy. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. Well, maybe by the time of our next episode, I will have started reading it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then 10 episodes later, you'll go finish it. We can compare notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, if it's as good as you say it is, like... I, See, I don't want to build it up too, too much. It's like the greatest novel ever. This is just some oh, good yeah. insight into Princess Leia that I think it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, no, I know. But I mean, from what I've heard from other people too, and I mean, I'm just excited to find out again more about the, the time period in between episode six and seven and kind of setting the stage for, for The Force Awakens and more about you know the events going on in the galaxy and whatnot. Yeah, um, I was surprised by some revelations. Nothing big, but more of the time frame of certain things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've heard. Um because uh, Joey and Jason and I, we talked about that during our panel too, um, about the whole timeline of where it takes place in relation to the Force Wick. And so I do kind of know some of that stuff already. Yeah. Um, first one I was reading, I was like, hmm, I wasn't expecting that. But as the more I'm reading it and the stuff I'm learning about, I was like, okay, it's starting to make more sense. And I can see how things played out the way they did in the Force Awakens. So hmm. it's doing a good job of that. Yeah. See, hearing stuff like that just makes me go, okay, I need to read this now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll see. I, I'll, I'll get around to that eventually, I'm sure. That's, that's on the top of my, uh, my Star Wars book reading list for right now. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that's going to just about do it for now. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can check out our website, StarWarsTSC.com, and you can send us email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. Um, and you can also check out, uh, see, I was going to plug the, the Thunderquack network that we're a part of, and now I can't remember the website for it. Um, <laughs> well, the website is uh, Thunderquack.com. And thunderquack.com. I couldn't remember if it was like .net or Thunderquacknet. Podnet, I don't know. So <laughs> thunderquack.com is where you can uh, check out all the other uh, great podcasts on the Thunderquack Podcast Network um, and, uh, you know, check out our Patreon and all that good stuff over there. Um, but uh, anyway, like I said, we will try to be back next week with a new episode for you guys. Um, until then, we will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>